Welcome to the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party with my dad and my sister Mary. Hello, party goers, and welcome to the final episode of Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. That is the final episode where we talk about mixtapes that were already made. We'll have one more show after this where we take your comments, your salutations, your felicitations, and your get the hell out of here's. Then we'll do that in a bye week, as Mary yeah. knows. And I mean, we will also be talking about music that episode and listening to music because Dad has uh, approximately one million top fives. Yeah. And also one top ten that he's refusing to call it top ten, but okay. That's fine. It's fine. Uh, yes, we will be doing... Well, I have some top fives. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I'm going to have to add one, I discovered. What? But I Look, have a top five. Yep. Mm. It's going to be a music-filled show, everyone. It is. Much like this episode yeah. is also going to be music-filled. Also, yes. should we introduce ourselves? Oh, well, if you don't know us by now, if you don't know me by now, my name is David Edrick. And my name is Mary Dedrick. As I said, this is the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party, where we go through old mixtapes that I made for... They're not old, but, you know... Ancient. They're ancient now. They're antiquated <laughs> archaeological <laughs> specimens that we dug up. All the way back in the yeah. year 2016. And 17. And, and 17. But not, not as much 2017, I discovered, because... Anyway, it doesn't matter. I was going to say, everyone, that I made some mixtapes for Sneaky Dragon listeners... I made quite a few of them, and then I thought it would be fun to talk about the music that I that we made and talk about mixtapes and things like that. And I feel like we said all we need to say about mixtapes. But I will point out that this mm-hmm. mixtape, this final mixtape, yes. this final side of this yep. final mixtape, yep. breaks a cardinal rule of mine. <gasps> I did intentionally, of course, I didn't accidentally do it, because I love the two songs together. We'll talk about it when it gets there. But okay. a rule of mine is to never have two songs by the, or two artists, sorry, two songs by the same artist. Side by side, side by each. Oh, side by side. Yeah. In fact, I stretched that rule out to be that no repeating artists, but obviously because this is a well, a mix of of the same artists. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I was going to say that I, I thought you were going to say that you were breaking your rule of, of uh, duplicating artists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you're going to have to do that for this <laughs> Tropicalia album, as yeah. it's a genre that spanned like four years and like five artists yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, more. I'm exaggerating a bit, but no, I think you're pretty pretty close to who would be recognized as as tr- like true quote unquote Tropicalia artists. Yeah. And in fact, to make it a little bit more, add a bit more variety, I added an artist who was definitely not a part of the Tropicalia right. movement, just so that you would have someone else, and also had an excuse to put a song by them I like onto right. a mix. So yeah, so we've got Gilberto Gil, yes, Gal Costa, yes, Tom Zay, yes, uh, Osmi Tanches, yes, um, Jorge Ben. Yes. Oh, yeah. You're getting it's getting getting up there, isn't it? And one more. You forgot one more. Caetano Veloso. Caetano Veloso. That's okay. Great. So we've got six. And then I mean, Rita Lee does her own solo stuff, but she's also part of Osmi Tanches, so we can sort of group her in. By the time Rita Osmi Lee was Tanches. working solo, she was. Right. She was. Out, it was out, yeah. Uh, Tropicalia out. was not no longer a thing. Yeah. No longer a thing for Mutanches, Let's say like yeah. so there might have been some some remnants of it by '73. I guess by '73 that's when when uh, this is the last day of, or this is the first day of the rest of your life came out. Which was the last Los Matanches album. I think that was 73. Anyway, 72, 73, around that time, uh, you could still spe- see a little bit of Tropicalia 
as a as a concept in some of the in some of the artists who were working at that time, but it definitely it definitely was was leaving the building by that point, and and many of them went on to become really popular artists. Gal Costa being the most popular singer in Brazilian history, and she didn't do that as a Tropicali artist. <laughs> Let's put it that way. She yeah. she commercialized and you know changed changed what she did. Right. Not in an unpleasant way. I mean, if no. you like if you like. You know, that sort of musical style. If you like Bossa Nova styles, if you like samba stylings and mm-hmm. stuff like that, that's what she continued to work in. Yeah. And her album India that she did after after the return of Gilberto Gil and Catano Veloso, it's it's still an interesting album. It's not necessarily Tropicalia, but it's mm-hmm. a really cool take on yeah. traditional sounds. Right, right. You know. Still, like, innovative. It's very innovative, yeah. and, it, and it's... But it was arranged by Gilberto Gil mm, mm-hmm. and a lot of songs by him and other people because she's never been a writer. She's always right. been a, a, a singer. Singer, yeah, yep. and a, you know, translator of other people's of other people's um, songs, yeah, or interpreter of other people's mm-hmm. songs. And she, but I mean, Osmi Tanches as a whole was not like they 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 often interpreted other people's sure political beliefs and sounds into their own music, right? Like I think without. Yeah, but the sort of main Tropicalia movement people—they probably wouldn't have gotten as involved into that sound or that no, movement, that, right? You're right. I mean, they, they were brought into it not against their will, but yeah, no, but they, they had fun with it. While yeah, they it weren't. They weren't. They were not on their own. People who would have done that. Yeah, right. By the time you get to the third album, they're already moving outside of you know moving past those sounds and mm-hmm. are just basically becoming like a rock band, just yeah. incorporating entirely North American or you know Western sounds yes. into their into their or northern sounds into their <laughs> into their into their into their uh their song you know, their I mean like that. uh English. What was that? Is that my phone? That was your phone, yeah. The one I turned off. That's the sound that your phone makes. That's just the one that I turned off the you know, maybe I forgot to do that when I was opened it up. It's doesn't that doesn't sound like you? Whoops. That doesn't seem like something dad would do. I I say as someone who regularly opens my phone to do something and then just ends up on Facebook. <laughs> what was I going to do on here? Oh, whatever. I think I opened it up, and then there was a comment from someone on a, on a mm, yeah. post that I, I did and everything. Oh, just before we go on, I just want to apologize to everyone, because this show is late. Oh, yeah. We were recording we this were show. We were recording this show one hour after I wake up, well, after I woke <laughs> up on a Thursday morning, yeah. because today is a statutory holiday in Canada. More importantly, Thursdays are the day that the show... Uh, customarily drops at six in the morning, and that did not happen today. So apologies. Still coming out on Thursday. Just no, it won't. It won't what? come out on Thursday. Oh no, it won't come out on Thursday. <laughs> it's still gonna come out this week, <laughs> sometime, possibly Saturday, because in, I have to do a lot of work this in week. In our defense, yeah, Dad was doing Sparks. Yes, we had a we had an accelerated time, deadline. Time, timeline. They cut yep. a week off of our deadline. Yes, and then there was a heat wave. I don't know if you guys heard about it. Or experienced it, but it was terrible. It was awful. It was like the worst weekend of my entire life. It's pretty awful. It, was it lasted was, about five days. It lasted about five days. It was the worst work week of my entire life. Yeah. The temperatures here were in the, so hot. In the high 30s, low 40s, yeah, not Celsius, of course. Yeah, it was like 42 degrees Celsius, which is like 100, over 110 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm sorry, I can't translate it, that into Middle Ages speak, so I don't know. <laughs> I work with a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of elderly people, yeah. and they still require Fahrenheit to understand. <laughs> so say, it's 42 degrees, and they're like, oh, okay. And we're like, that's 110. And they're like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, 110 does sound more impressive than 42. 
Uh, Maybe I'm going to switch switch to Middle Ages, uh, <laughs> Middle Ages uh, temperature. Yeah. Um, temperature does salt water freeze at? That's what I really need to know today in the modern day. <laughs> so, so yes, we had that. We had the accelerator. And then we also had a bathroom disaster where our bathtub, not only did the seal go in the tap, so it started leaking, not just a little bit, not a little, a bit, a little bit of drops, but it would regularly fill itself every day. Mm-hmm. But then it was also leaking from the drain mm. in, uh, into our basement. Yes. So, and it, it was leaking right above where mom keeps all of her vintage coats. <laughs> yeah. So that was a bit of a disaster. Mom has a collection of vintage fur coats, fur coats. Yeah. Including one that is just a, a, a fox that has been made into a coat, not taken apart not stripped down to it, just its fur, mm-hmm. but just its head and legs. So a person could walk around with a head and legs of a fox around their neck. What is that? Time. A fox? Is it not a fox? That little guy? What is it? No, it's like a. I think it's like a martin of some sort. It's like oh. some sort of like mink. I thought it was a fox. No, it's little. Okay. And there's actually right, three then. of them. And you can see all their little feet still and their little, their little faces. So it's so creepy. So awful. I was telling the residents what? about it at work because we were talking about fur coats because we were doing like a 1920 versus 2020 Price is Right and we were okay. looking at fur coats yeah. for it. Yeah. And I was telling them about this and they were all like, ooh. <laughs> yes. I mean, t- how times change. Yeah. We went and saw the Warriors last night and I kept kind of chuckling during the movie because I would just think during some of the dialogue, how times change. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's a real how times change. Oh my gosh, can you even imagine? You just someone walking around wearing like the face of an animal. This this PETA people would just drown you in red paint. <laughs> they wouldn't just throw it on you, pick you up, and throw you in a barrel, <laughs> hammer the top down on it. Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. Although I mean, there are those Canada Goose jackets that are very popular for wealthy people in mm-hmm, Vancouver, mm-hmm. and those are made. Um, I mean, yeah, they have fur on them, but the fur is from hunting wolves uh no i think is it from wolves yeah they hunt wild like wild wolves uh, i think that they recently stopped because people were like hold on why are you still wait doing a second this? i think that w- I, you know, well i mean i mean people still like fur and fur is like the most efficient it's still the most efficient way to like keep yourself warm yeah but you don't need that in vancouver you know? and traditional uh parka like you know park is made by by inuit people mm-hmm. had fur oh yeah you know seal skin and yeah. and, and wolf fur and stuff like that but, but I mean, yeah, there's a difference. I don't think we need to like continue on with that. Well, that, that's the thing, and there's a difference between individuals hunting seals and wolves yeah. for like fur and blubber to stay alive in like the terrible, terrible, frigid temperatures up north. Yeah. Um, and but they corporate- refuse to. They refuse to go. No, there's nothing better. Yeah. There's nothing better. Yeah, they're used to it. We're we're fine here. They got a we're system. Good. It works for them. <laughs> I just feel like they're the most conservative people in the world. They're they're ha- ancestors. Mm. Because like they got there, yeah, and like they they were there for a while, yeah. And people were like, "Hey, should we keep going?" And they're like, Meh. "Nah, no, this is fine." They're we're like, okay. "I'm sure it's better if we yeah. keep going." And they're like, "How would you know? How would you? <laughs> you have no way of knowing." And then it's by the probably time, probably worse. And then by the <laughs> right, probably is. And then by the time people came back and were like, "It's actually pretty good," they're like, "Now nah, we got a system here. We're fine." <laughs> we're fine. Yeah. yeah. If we wear like a parka that has the two foot sticking out hood on it, that will keep our face from freezing outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. All right. You know it's warm and we have like there's like fish literally washing up onto like the riverbanks where we're, we are <laughs> sounds unbelievable <laughs> yeah they're crazy get out of here with your tall tails you're just trying to take our our place because we know where the good seals are yeah um 
Yeah, but yeah, there's a difference between like individuals doing that, yeah. right? And then like companies doing that just for like a fashion statement. Well, that's it, or to justify why your coat costs a thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. And they're like, oh well, yeah. Of course, it's so expensive. It's because we uh, are hunting wild wolves. And they're like, hold on, that's not, that's no, not it's, a justification. It's fine, Mary. They're hunting farmed wolves. They're, no, they're not farmed wolves. They're wild. I'm just joking. Yeah, I don't know if you, I doubt you could domesticate. I don't think you could have farm wolves to do like <laughs> that. Was a joke. No, I know, I know. I was, I was just thinking about the logistics of it. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah. So the bathtub started to leak, and so then I had to spend uh, part of one of the days of this week. Oh, Monday. Yeah. So Monday was the Sunday was the official deadline for Sparks. But then the new official deadline. For the Sparks. new official deadline for Sparks. But then Nina's computer had a problem. Her computer had a heat stroke on Monday on Monday. And so then I had to finish off uploading the rest of the pages to the website. Cause the company decided that instead of just using the system we'd use for the last two books, they're going to institute a whole new way of doing it. Of course. The day it was due. Oh, of course. <laughs> Come, on. Come on, dad. What do you expect from them? <laughs> and so then, so that was Monday gone. And so then, uh, and then Tuesday I had to spend the day ripping up the bathroom because okay. I needed to, I wanted to turn off the water, which was, you know, leaking a hot tub, hot tank a water tank of water into the bathtub every day. Mm. So I was watching out my money fly out the window. So <laughs> so I had to shut off the hu- water in the house, mm-hmm. tear, out, tear out the plumbing, tear, yep. off, tear down the wall, yep. go to the hardware store, mm-hmm. get some get some uh, stuff, come back, solder on some fittings, and then <laughs> block off the... Uh, Block off the, the, the water from, from so I could turn the water back on so we could have water in the rest of the house. Dad, you should post a picture of the bathroom as it currently is on the <laughs> on the, sure. the website. It's a mess. It's a mess. But anyway, it'll look nicer when we're done. So maybe I will do that. I'll post a, a then and now. Mm-hmm. And then uh, people will see it because it's, uh, it's a thing. So anyway, so so yeah, so it took us a long time. I, oh, and then last night we went into Vancouver and saw the, the Warriors in Vancouver. I only have one bottle in here. I can't do that. Oh, warriors, come out and play! If you haven't seen that movie, you really should. It's by the good. way, it's, it's a good, movie. It's a very good film. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's silly and corny. Yeah, and, it's from the seventies. It's uh, very camp in some ways. Yeah. You know, if you uh, at one point I leaned over to my sister and said, "This is the gayest movie I've ever seen." <laughs> it's a lot of like sweaty shirtless men in elaborate costumes. <laughs> it's great. I love it. <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah. So it's uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So we yeah. did that last night. So, so yes, the long and the short of it is we are late. Yep. But let's start the show. It's also why I slept in until 10 this morning. <laughs> so the movie started at 9.30 and we got home at one basically. 12.30 and then I went to bed at like 1.30. <laughs> so let's, let's, uh, let's, do, let's do the show. How's that sound? We have a lot of music this week because mm-hmm. I realize that time is... Is is over for me in this show, and so I just want to cram it all in. Sure, cram it all in, Mary. And also, I, I've been really enjoying like the, the little history lesson we're doing about Tropicalia here. Cool. I hope listeners are enjoying it as well. Yeah, sure they are. Because if they're not, they're not enjoying the show. <laughs> <laughs> so the first song mm-hmm. on the first on the second side, yep, is a Catana Veloso song. This is Tropicalia, kind of the song that gave the song that kind of gave, I should say, the the name to the to the movement. Well, we'll talk about that after we listen to it. So this is Caetano Veloso from his second, well, his first solo album, really, because this first album that he did, Domingo, was basically a, uh, an album he shared with uh, Gal Costa. So this is uh, his first true solo album, Caetano Veloso from 1968. This is Tropicalia. 
Quando o Pero Vasco caminha Descobriu que as terras brasileiras eram férteis e verdejantes Escreveu uma carta ao rei Tudo que nela se planta, tudo cresce e floresce E o caos na época gravou Sobre a cabeça os aviões, sobre os meus pés os caminhões Aponta contra os chapadões meu nariz Eu organizo o movimento, eu oriento o carnaval Eu inauguro o monumento no planalto central do país Viva a bossa, sassá, viva a palhoça, sassá, sassá Viva a bossa, sassá, viva a palhoça, sassá, sassá O monumento é de papel crepou em prata Os olhos verdes da mulata A cabeleira esconde atrás da verde mata O luar do sertão o monumento não tem porta A entrada é uma rua antiga, estreita e torta E no joelho uma criança sorridente, feia e morta Estende a mão Viva a mata, tá, tá Viva a mula, tá, 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 tá Viva a mata, tá, tá Viva a mula, tá, 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 tá No pátio interno há uma piscina Com água azul de amaralina Coqueiro, brisa e fala nordestina em faróis Na mão direita tem uma roseira Autenticando a eterna primavera E nos jardins os urubus passeiam a tarde inteira entre os girassóis Viva Maria, ia, ia. Viva Bahia, ia, 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 ia. Viva Maria, ia, ia. Viva Bahia, ia, ia, ia. Em suas veias corre muito pouco sangue Mas seu coração balança um samba de tamborim Emite acordes dissonantes Pelos cinco mil alto-falantes Senhoras e senhores, ele põe os olhos grandes sobre mim Vivirá sema, mamá Vive panema, mamá, mamá Vivirá sema, mamá Vive panema, mamá, mamá Domingo é o fino da bossa, segunda-feira está na fossa, terça-feira vai a roça, porém O monumento é bem moderno, no dicionário do modelo do meu terno Que tudo mais vá pro inferno, meu bem Que tudo mais vá pro inferno, meu bem Viva a banda, da da Miranda, da 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 and we're back. Oh, I wish I'd learned to say, I wish I had learned to say that in Portuguese. And we're back. Then I could have been really good the whole show. But anyway, that would have been fun. I, yeah, I didn't Look think it about it. Didn't think about it, and that's the end of it. It's probably like um, it's probably an idiom. Uh, so yeah, Mary. Yes. You know the you know the question I'm gonna ask you now. What did you think? What do you think of the song Tropicalia by by sorry not by by Catanavalosa? It's good. 
Yeah. I like it. It's a fun song. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what do you think of the lyrics? No, it's joking. <laughs> uh, they were good. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about the song. I know I said that I was going to talk about three different or maybe four different artists on this this side, but I, w- I do want to talk about this song because, like I say, this song was kind of the clarion call, clarion cry of, of Tropicalia. Be- I, and I know that Voluzu and, and Gilles did... Uh, songs at the third Brazilian popular music festival, of course. Catana Veloso did Alegria, Alegria, and then Jill did Domingo no Parque, which we played last, last episode. But both those songs were kind of slyly heading towards Tropicalia, but weren't like true, here's what it's going to be kind of a thing. What, what are you going to say, Mayor? I was going to say yeah. that We Are Back is Voltamos. Voltamos? Yes. Okay. I'll say that the rest of the show. Okay. And so, you know, so those songs were pretty successful at the festival. Mm-hmm. They didn't win. Mm-hmm. They didn't take number one, but uh, Gilles took number two, and Catena Veloso got number four. Mm-hmm. And then Alegria, Alegria as a song, though, was like a huge smash hit in, in Brazil that, that's, oh. that summer. It was the song of the season, you know, mm-hmm. it was the summer smash. And so that gave, you know, that kind of emboldened both of them to take this concept even further. And so, like we said before, Tropicalia is a synthesis of Brazilian tradition and international influences. And the album that really influenced both Gilles and Veloso to, in their pursuit of this sound was the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. That was the album they loved. They loved that album so much. That was, talk about Summer Smash, that was the song of 67, I mean, the album of 67, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone, the Summer of Love, all based yeah. around that, you know, like, it just was like the, I've talked about it on Complete Beatles, the show that I did with Ian, and it's not my favorite Sgt. Pepper's album, but I understand it as a cultural milestone because it came out at this, this hit at the perfect moment for this perfect album to come out, you know. And so their dream was to take the innovations of what international pop was doing, what the Beatles were doing, what the Rolling Stones were doing, what people were doing in, in you know, the folk music of, of the States, mm-hmm. uh, just what was happening everywhere, yeah. and m- merge that into, the, into a Brazilian aesthetic, you know. I think when they did this, they thought it was going to be very exciting because to them, everyone loves the Beatles. To them, everyone loves all the Rolling Stones. Everyone's loving this music that's coming from other places. Yeah. You know, and so we're going to take this and we're going to make it into into this, this sort of Brazilian version of it. Mm-hmm. And instead, they just hit this wall of resistance, you know. Right. I don't think that's what they expected. And so Veloza was the first one to go into the studio after the festival win. So... Uh, Gilles wouldn't record his his solo album until the following year, until okay. early the following year in '68. So it's late '67. It's November of 1967. Uh, Veluso goes into the studio and starts to record this work. You know, he wants to record like a daring, innovative record, the same same way as he he associated Sgt. Pepper's. So he brought in three well-known composers to arrange the tracks, not Duprat, strangely enough, but other composers who are all part of this movement in the early part of the 60s in Brazil called Musica Nova. And so these were were composers who drew from uh, from new European classical, you know, or new music, classical traditions. We mm-hmm. call it classical music, it doesn't make any sense, but modern music traditions, yeah. music concrete, right. you know, uh, random music, all these kind of things that were happening, John Cage or or Boulez or Stockhausen, people like that who were creating this whole new music. You know? mm-hmm. uh, of course, the producer was Manuel Baron Baim, the guy who's producing everyone at this point, must have been overworked. He's the he was the Gary Usher of of uh, of uh, of Brazil, I guess. This is you know the the go to producer, the right. only young producer. The yeah. you know, everyone else is p- recording classical music or samba music. Here's right. this one kid who understands. He's 25 years old. Yep. He understands. 
or can he, at least relate to these. Yeah, young like guys. he knows what they want. Yeah, or he gets what he gets what they're going for. Whereas other people would be like, sure, no, what? What do you what do you want to do? Huh? <laughs> and then you know the B who <laughs> for those who had no didn't have a band, so he would just drew on other people's uh, other groups to back him up. So. Argentina is the Beat Boys, who, of course, backed him at, at the uh, music festival. Usmatanches, of course, because the new new group they he and Jill had, you know, been tipped to by by Duprat, and they loved their love their craziness. And then a group called RC Seven, who were a Jovengarda group who backed up Erasmus, uh, Robert, uh, sorry, not Erasmus Carlos, but Robert, Roberto Carlos okay. group. So the guys who were the Jovengarda, the kind of more, the kind of more uh, acceptable face of rock and roll in Brazil, unlike the Tropicalistas, who were pr- right purposefully provocative politically yes these guys were your clean cut clean cut fresh-faced youth right producing songs that mom and dad still didn't like but at least they could accept their children listening yes to. at least they weren't trying to make a political statement exactly exactly <laughs> and then also a group called music antigua music antigua or old music antigua no not antigua antigua oh, okay and that concentrated on i guess it'd be antigua here's the thing to understand about Spanish and Portuguese is that they put the accent on the second syllable of all words unless there's an accent, like the accent aigu. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would call that, of course, in Portuguese, but the mm-hmm. French accent aigu, like the one that points to the end of the word. Yep. That indicates where the stress on the syllable or oh. syllable is in, okay. in, in, Spanish. in Spanish and right. Portuguese. Yeah. So, antiga would be, yeah, antiga, not antiga, the way I said it. Mm. So, yeah, so for the album's opening track... Mm-hmm. Veloso had written the song, but was stuck for a title. So he had written all these lyrics, you know, referencing, you know, Brazil and this kind of really like weird kind of, it has a weird, it's a weird song because it's like kind of like uh, almost creepy sounding, you know, this kind of, you know, the, especially with the horns and stuff added to yeah. it, where it's kind of like, yeah, yeah totally. you know, it's kind yeah, of weird. Yeah. <laughs> His friend, a filmmaker named Luis Carlos Barreto, suggested, or Barreto, suggested after reading the lyrics that he name it after a work by an artist we've talked about before named Elio Oichika. Sorry, name to say. Uh, that was on exhibit at the time, and this exhibit was like I don't know what they call them now. I can't remember what they call them, but you know it's like a like a you know like a a tableau set up, right? So you okay. would go in. It's like it was a it was a series of paths through a sandy you know sandy like sand is poured into the into the gallery, yeah, yeah. and then it had paths through it with these kind of set up um, squarish or rectangular screens okay. that you couldn't see into, okay. but that had various color cloths on them, and so right. you'd walk through this and it had plants and stuff planted in mm-hmm. it, plastic plants and things planted, yeah. That look like palm trees and stuff like that, and you walk through that. And it was called Tropicalia. Okay. And so he said you should name it after that because that's, you know, it kind of reminds me of the spirit of that, which sort of commentary on the the manufactured nature of Brazilian culture. You know, of the idea of beaches being commodities. You know. Right. Right. And and so Veloso was like, well, I don't know, kind of, I don't know if it's great or whatever, but I'll name it that for now. Right. It's a provisional title. Mm-hmm. But of course. It stuck. It, it stuck, and it became the name of the movement, which is kind of, kind of amusing. So the song begins. What, you, what was that art? What was that artist's thought on that? Do you think? I don't know. Actually, he did join the Tropicalia movement. Oh, did he? And became became like part of, you know, he was the one who provided the artwork, the so-called Brazilian flag that got. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Veloso and and Gil exiled from the country where yeah. he had put. Uh, it was a silkscreen flag uh, of this drug dealer who had been killed. So it's his corpse laying on the ground. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of his corpse. Yeah. You know, it's a silkscreen image. And then it said, um, you know, I can't remember the whole thing was something, uh, be an outlaw was kind of the, you know. Right. And then 
And so I think that, everyone was like, if that's what you want. You know, yeah, I, I could look it up in my, I don't know, my old, I think I put away my old notes. Yeah, I put away my old notes, sorry. They're in my pile over there. No, it's okay. Sorry, I can't look it up. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, that's, that's what got them in trouble and that. So he was, he would be, you know, because Tropicalia, like, it was an artistic movement. It wasn't just a musical movement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it had poets, it had, you know, art, Artists. it had, yep. it had writers, it had other people associated with yeah. it who we don't really know about as much because music is much easier to Yeah, trans- music, music is a lot more accessible. For us, particularly, because yep. so much of that stuff, like, for one, the art, especially modern art, doesn't travel very far sometimes. If yeah. people are only known in within a nation, it's yeah. hard for someone like Elio Oitichika to, to mm-hmm. his name was probably the biggest problem for him leaving. So it's, you know, like, you know, he's probably known in modern art circles, but yeah. I'm not like a huge modern art fan. Well, yeah, totally. Like if you're not, and I mean, realistically, Tropicalia is also probably like the music, the music yeah. is yeah. not well known outside of people who are big into music either. Yeah. But yeah. it is, it is definitely more accessible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to listen to, right? Like yeah. reading or viewing something in Portuguese yeah. is difficult because of the language barriers, but also the cultural barriers. That's right. We're, right. Like when we're listening to the music, we're not re- re- we're not reacting to the lyrics. No, you're reacting to how it sounds. Yeah, yeah. Like right? the lyrics are, yeah, the lyrics are a part of it that is lost to me. Mm-hmm. So that we kind of miss out on that cultural element of yeah. this like, this tropicalia movement, you know. Like, and that's why I'm going through it in the, with these, where I'm just yeah. trying to give like a context to. Yeah, but you know, there was it. actually I didn't take it just because I didn't have the time to. But when I was at UFV for I was at UFV for a year after I graduated yeah. from university, uh, University of the Fraser Valley. It's like a university college here in in Abbotsford, mm-hmm. and um, I took a history course because i needed no because i thought it sounded interesting i didn't need it okay uh, but i thought it sounded interesting it was just history of it was like a mexican history course okay um or it was like an aztec Mm. and mayan history course yeah um and that prof the next semester was teaching a course about um about brazil okay and he uh, I think Tropicalia was in like the course title. Oh wow! Like as like a music genre, talking about like music as he would have been such a smarty pants if he'd taken that course. I know, right? <laughs> well, I did. I did go and talk to him about it, but uh, I just I didn't have time in my schedule for yeah, it because yeah. the next sem- I was taking three courses I needed that semester. Yeah, and I had to take three courses I needed the next semester, and the one one of the courses I was taking the next semester was a lab science. Okay, and so I had much less time in my schedule. Yeah, and I ended up not being able to use that lab science. Ugh, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Oh well. So okay, so the song starts with someone uh, reciting something at the beginning of the song, and so that actually came about because of some joking around in the studio. So there was a percussionist named Dirceu who was referencing. Okay, so it's actually I can't remember the name of it now. I wish I'd written it down. It's like Illumos or something like that, Illumina- Illuminatos or something. Okay. They were. It's a. It's a name for a genre of letter that was written from Brazil to Portugal, extolling the wonders of the country in order oh, to get okay. people to go there. Yeah, they did that in. Uh, they did that in North North America as well. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah, so they had like the name. And then I just think it's sort of funny that they had a whole name for this genre of yeah. writing. And so this guy named Pero Vaz de Caminha, Caminha means road. Anyway, mm-hmm. so he. Accompanied Portuguese explorer Pedro Alvarez Cabral. So he went to Brazil with him, he went to India with him, mm-hmm. and he wrote a detailed official report of the discovery. I'm going to put that in quotation marks because mm-hmm. I know how everyone feels about that nowadays, but the discovery of Brazil yep. in 1500. I remember the term awareness. <laughs> <laughs> Europe becoming aware of Brazil existing there. There you go. So Dirceu says 
This is what he says. He says in English, When Pero Vaz de Camania discovered that those Brazilian lands were fertile and verdant, he wrote a letter to the king, Everything that is planted grows and flourishes. And then he says, When the Gauss of time recorded it. So Gauss is a reference to the studio engineer, Rogerio Gauss. Okay. And so he was just making a joke. He was just quoting from this letter, yeah. saying, and then, you know, like, this is going to be verdant and flourishing, this album, mm-hmm. when Gauss records it. Right. But... Everyone thought it was funny, and so he, and so when he when he said it a couple of times, and so then the arranger, who his name was Julio Medeglia, or oh, I don't know how you say it. I want to say it like because that's this Italian name, so Medeglia. But how do you say it in anyway? I don't know how you say it in in Portuguese pronunciation. Everyone. So anyway, he he got the he got Rogerio Gauss to record him, okay. and so Dessero was saying it in this funny nasally voice, you know, in this sort of parody of 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 a you know. Because they're making fun of this, these sort of letters, right? And so he's making fun of the of the way you would say it. And so then they added the percussion and sound effects after that, mm-hmm. and then started the song. And so it was a really great start, though, because it it kind of references the very early history of of Portugal or, or of Brazil. And then we have this up to date song that's referencing, you know, Carmen Miranda and all these other. You know, if you listen to the song, it's it's full of. Or if you look at the lyrics for the song, it's full of, I didn't write them down, but it's full of references to, to Brazil of that time and in the recent past, you know, in this way that the kind of like both, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It both reclaims it and also rejects it in a way by the, the way that Co- Veloso writes the song. Veloso is obviously very excited mm-hmm. because they're, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be great. Yeah. You know, and so he appeared at the 1968 third music festival in Rio. Where after some initial applause, when when Osmatante started playing this the song they were gonna do, yeah, which Catano Veloso wrote especially for the festival, right, called A Prohibido Prohibir, which mm-hmm. means it is forbidden to forbid. Yes, you know, so this is a very political song once again. You always have to remember when we're talking about this that this is all being written during at the time of a oppressive military dictatorship, yep. where people were disappearing, yeah, on the regular, mm-hmm. uh, political opponents, not just political opponents, but people who were you know criminals. People were just, it just like the rule of law had changed radically in in a year's time. Yeah, and so you know he comes out on stage. He's wearing this lime green plastic suit with all these like baubles and jewelry around his neck, and making these like exaggerated rock and roll like Elvis Presley pelvic thrusts and motions and stuff like that. Yeah, and then the audience lost it. They did not enjoy it at all. <laughs> but that was okay. It was just a reaction, a mild reaction. Right. He returned three days later for the second round of the competition, so the song did make it through, and he performed the song A Probito Probier. But this time, the audience was ready for them. And as soon as they started playing, the audience started to boo. And then um, some students stood up. This was at a university, so a lot of, a lot of the audience was university, so a lot of leftists in the audience. Yeah. And this is the problem, right? You're not, it's not just that Tropicalia was being rejected by... By the by, the right by the military dictatorship. It was yeah. also being re- rejected by the left as yeah. an, as this sort of imperialist, yeah. you know, this thing that was like trying to import capitalist values. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to bring drag in all this rock and roll, which was just corporate drivel compared yeah. to the the true, you know, n- uh, native born music like mm-hmm. bossa nova and samba. Well, yeah, and know? it was also it was also embracing, um, yeah, like imperialist sounds, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 and so. And so the the audience, uh, the student audience, stood up and turned their backs to the stage, and so those Matanches turned their backs to the audience and were playing to the to the back of the. St- 
and then uh, as the confrontation grew more, like as he played and the people got angrier and angrier, the audience started pelting Veluso and the band with with uh, fruit, vegetables, yeah. eggs, pieces of Ugh. wood, paper balls were being thrown on the stage, yeah. and anything else they could find to throw. And then Gilberto Gil came out uh, to show support for, for Veloso. He came out on stage, and then he was hit by a piece of wood. And then he picked up a tomato that had fallen on the stage, and he or landed on the stage, and he picked it up and took a bite out of it and then threw it back into the audience. <laughs> and so then Veloso stopped singing and began to berate the audience, telling them, amongst other things, I'm just going to give a couple quotes that he said. He says, if you're as open... To poli- in politics as you are in aesthetics, we're done for. And then he said, so this is youth who says it wants to take power? Do you have the courage to applaud a song this year? The same kind of song that you didn't have the courage to applaud last year? Are you are you the same youth who will always, always kill tomorrow, the old enemy who died yesterday? Hmm. And then he finished by saying, the jury is very nice, but it's in- it is incompetent. God is free. And then he started singing, give me a kiss, my love, they're waiting for us. The cars burn in flames. These are lyrics from the song, I probe here. Knock down the shelves, the bookshelves, the statues, the glass cases, the dishes, the books. Yes, and I say yes, and I say no to no, and I say it is forbidden to forbid. He's saying that all off key, of course, without any melody, because the band has stopped playing by this point. Yeah. He says, what do you think, jury? You didn't get it? Did Gilberto Gil's melody qualify? You're out of it. Gil melted your brains, huh? <laughs> and that's the way I want to see it. Enough! And then he marched off stage with the group and Gilberto Gil, and... That was it. That was a performance. And so I'm going to play the song now. I'm going to play A Probeator, Probeator. This is the song they recorded. This is the single. Mm-hmm. It only came out as a single. It did not, was not on any albums. So I have it on uh, De Arte De Arte de Cateno Veloso, a collection of, of his music that I got at Virgin Megastore way back in, the, in those days. Oh, wow. And so so I'm going to play A Probeator, Probeator, and it's c- complete. And then I'm going to play a little bit of the B-side, which is called ambiente do festival or festival atmosphere this is this is you can hear the audience booing like crazy and then you can hear kind of loso braiding them i'm not gonna play all of it of course because it's pretty meaningless since we can't understand it, you know what he's saying yeah. if you want if you're interested if you look online you can find uh transcripts in english of, of what he yelled which i t- took a little bit of just to give you a sense of of his outrage <laughs> so well this is to you anyway this is uh this is katana veloso with os mutanches uh the song is a prohibido prohibir
da Virgem diz que não E o anúncio da televisão E estava escrito no portão E o maestro ergueu o dedo E além da porta ao porteiro sim E eu digo não E eu digo não ao não E eu digo é Proibido, proibido, é proibido, proibido, é proibido, proibido, é proibido, proibido. Me dê um beijo, meu amor. Eles estão nos esperando. Os automóveis ardem em chamas Derrubar as prateleiras As estantes, as estátuas As vidraças, louças, livros, sim E eu digo sim E eu digo não ao não E eu digo é proibido, proibido É proibido, proibido é proibido, proibido, é proibido, proibido, é proibido, proibido. Cair no areal e na hora adversa que Deus concede aos seus. Para o intervalo em que esteja a alma imersa em sonhos Que são Deus Que importa o areal, a morte e a desventura Se com Deus me guardei É o que me sonhei, que eterno dura É esse que regressarei Beijo meu amor, eles estão nos esperando Os automóveis ardem chamas Derrubar as prateleiras, as estátuas, as estantes As vidraças, louças, livros, sim E eu digo sim E eu digo não ao não E eu digo é Proibido, proibido, 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 é
juventude que diz que quer tomar o poder, vocês têm coragem de aplaudir este ano uma música, um tipo de música que vocês não teriam coragem de aplaudir no ano passado? São a mesma juventude que vão sempre, sempre matar amanhã o velhote inimigo que morreu ontem? Vocês não estão entendendo nada! All right, well, there we go. That's uh, <laughs> an impassioned speech, as they, as they say. Uh, pretty amazing that they're even able to play earlier than that because they're, you know, you're listening to him sing with an audience booing so loudly they can't hear themselves, and then they're also <laughs> dodging, <laughs> dodging uh, objects being thrown at them. Yeah, so, yeah. Pretty crazy. It was, uh, yeah, not great, and I think no. surprising to, in some ways, I think surprising to to them because they. You know, you'd expect like some part of the audience would be okay with this. You know, this you know, we're we're rejecting we're rejecting a military dictatorship, everyone. Like what's yeah. what's going on here? Although this song isn't really about that. A pro beer to pro beer is directed at the students, at yeah. the leftists and 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 the Yeah. and the uh the military you know, mm-hmm. the, the military the right because it's you know, both sides were wanting to prohibit what people could do artistically, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and I imagine too for the university students universities in Latin America are like, have a really long history of being like the major force standing up against, um, against military dictatorship. Sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 Students and professors going missing and being tortured and Mm -hmm. being, um, like fired and stuff. And, uh, a lot of people that they knew would have been directly involved in a lot of these conflicts. Oh, sure. And they they had their own, their own values. They had their their own own values and they had their own, and they had their own, like, you know, uh, Student, you know, like, you know, whatever, I don't want to call it. Um, student organizations. Student organizations yep. that would have been left, left, left leaning and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But what's, but, you know, sadly, like, Gilberto Gil, he wrote songs for the University Communist Party when he was going to university. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so he was part of that movement. So his uh, embrace of Tropicalia was not a rejection of, of, of leftist values, yeah. you know. But yeah, it's interesting. Anyway. It's uh, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's no footage of that, oh, or no footage extant of of that performance. Cause it would be pretty interesting. To yeah, see. yeah, pretty interesting to see. But let's uh, let's move on from Caetano Veloso. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about Gilberto Gil. We have we played some music by him, but we haven't talked about him. Uh, I gotta say, I did a pretty limited choice of songs for the mixtape because there's my favorite album by him is Expresso Dois 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 Dois. And and I, I love almost every song on that on that uh, album. I think it's a, a masterpiece. And apparently, I'm alone in thinking that way because it's not like really talked about very much. In it's talked a little bit, but it's not like it's not considered like the best of the best or whatever. It's not like a, considered like an essential record in in Brazil, which is weird to me. But we're gonna play another song from it. We played uh, Ser- uh, Side of Sereno last time with uh, Gilberto Gil singing. And you know what I forgot to say? It was Gilberto Gil singing with Gal Costa on that song from last episode. So. Uh, if you want to hear it again and hear and hear it with the, in the light of Gal Costa, you can go back and listen to it because it is a really great song. Anyway, so what the hell? But this is O Cantu de Ema, uh, or Song of the Emu, uh, from Expresso Dois 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 Dois, nineteen seventy three. So let's uh, let's give it a listen, everybody. Here we go.
barra Você bem sabe que a Ema quando canta Traz no meio do seu canto um bocado de azar Eu tenho medo morena, eu tenho medo Pois acho que é muito cedo pra essa moça e acabar Vem morena, vem, vem, vem Me beijar, vem beijar Dá um beijo, dá um beijo Pra esse medo se acabar Vem morena, vem, vem, vem Me beijar, me beijar Dá um beijo, dá um beijo Pra esse medo se acabar Pois acho que é muito cedo pra esse amor se acabar Vem morena, vem, vem, vem Me beijar, me beijar Dá um beijo, oi, dá um beijo Pra esse medo se acabar Vem morena, vem, vem, vem Me beijar, dá um beijo, oi, dá um beijo Pra esse medo se acabar And we're back. Mare. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on Gilbert Gilles' Au Canto de Emu. Song for the Emu. Song for the Emu. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really like the piano and the drums Okay. in this song. Yeah. I really like the song. Mm-hmm. I feel like some Tropicalia songs, Yes. you could like listen to them and not realize that they are like Tropicalia, mm-hmm. you know? But I feel like this one is like very... Obviously, like has a lot of like Brazilian, like traditional elements in it. Good, I'm glad you saw that because you're right. You're absolutely right. So let's talk about Gilberto Gil because we didn't talk about him last time. So I'm just gonna give like a we're gonna give a capsule history of, of Gilberto Gil. So he was born Gilberto Passos Gil Moreira, but like everyone else, shortened his name in some way. Super Catano Veloso. He kept his he obviously lost two of his middle names, but yeah. kept his first and last name. Unlike his sister mm-hmm. Maria Betania, who yep. or Betania, however you say her name, she. Because it doesn't have an accent on it. It has a weird hat on the A. I don't know what that indicates in mm. in Brazilian, though. So yeah. does it mean that an S is missing, like in French? <laughs> I don't know. So Bestania? <laughs> Bestania. Betesta, yeah. So anyway, so, or Gal Costa. All of them are, like, choosing elements of their name, Gilberto Gil. So he was born in Salvador, but spent much of his childhood in rural Bahia, because his father was a doctor, and so he had a rural practice, and his mother was an elementary school teacher. So, you know, he grew up with in kind of in money, you know, not necessarily a lot of money. His dad was a rural doctor, so he wasn't going to be earning huge amount of mon- huge amounts of money. But he grew up in, in a sort of middle class. And so he moved back to uh, Salvador as a teenager to go to secondary school. But he was very musically precocious. He learned to play the drums and trumpet on his own by listening to the radio. So he was a very proficient drummer, very proficient trumpet player. And then he also uh, was given an accordion by his mother... And so he studied accordion for uh, playing for four years. And if you want to, I was mentioning India a little earlier. If you want to hear his accordion playing, give a listen to India, where he plays the accordion on almost every song on that album. And it's a very good album. And I wish I had time to play a song from it. Yeah. And maybe I might squish it in. 
but it's a long song that we'd want to play. And so, you already have 12 extra songs. And I already have a bunch of extra songs that I want to play for this. So I might, I'm going to cut out songs as I go. I, have, I, I know I have to. So <laughs> When he returned to Salvador, he was exposed to even more styles of music. So living in, in rural, um, I think the town was called Irara. I can't remember the name of it now. I should have written it down. So silly when you think you're going to remember a name of, of a town that's like, <laughs> I'll remember that. Yeah. But anyway, so he when he moved back to, to Salvador, he was exposed to even more styles of music. You know, so he was exposed to, he grew up listening to like Furo music, and which was very popular at that time. Luis Gonzaga, this guy named Jackson de Pandera, who was so famous, he, uh, Tambourine was named after him. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, so those guys like were, you know, played this, this style of music. And Furo music was a rural, Music that kind of was like field music, basically, like the music that you would hear, like slave singing in the old in the south. Yeah, these were sung by farmhands in 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 the northeast of, of oh, Brazil okay. in the Bahia region, mm-hmm. and so they had songs for they had so they were like very elaborate though they had different songs for different crops. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing sugar cane, you sang this kind of song, and if you're doing maize, if you're doing corn, you're singing this kind of song. If, and yeah. you depending what you're what you're what you're doing, and then. And then, uh, and then it depended on the season as well. So depending which phase of the agricultural season, you had different songs for that as well. And so they had these very yeah. elaborate songs. And of course, performers grew up around that the same way f- performers grew up around fields, you know, like the 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 black the black uh, or Negro spirituals or or black blues songs and stuff yeah. like that. You started having professionals who would travel from plantation plantation to plantation, mm-hmm. collecting songs and playing them, you know, professionally. And I say that with right. quotation marks because they weren't like true professionals mm-hmm. in the sense that they were going on stage and performing, but they were performing. Yeah. They were traveling entertainers, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess that's professional. What I the mean, they're, profe- they're as yeah, professional yeah. as like a yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Like I, any other I'm bard being snobbish. I was just trying to say that. I was just trying to like. In the listener's mind, though, I was afraid that maybe they're thinking of them as like being like recording artists or whatever. Right, right. But that's not quite the level they're at at this point. Yeah. Right? Well, that that grew that up over time until, yeah. until it became like an industry, you know. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and now we have like blues that are played by very few black people and almost entirely by white people. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's professional blues players. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're not living it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that, that music was very, very important to Bahians, right? And I, I was thinking about this when we were listening to o Pri, o, A Pro Beer, O Pro Beer, which is that I wonder if part of the rejection of these of this music was a certain amount of, of, of cosmopolitan snobbishness as well. Because what, because the music that the Tropicalistas were incorporating into the, into the Tropicalia movement, it, you know, their their Brazilian music was was a rural northeastern music. So, to people in these audiences of the university students, th- this is this hick music. Yeah, that's like that's going to see like some guys incorporating hillbilly music with like modern classical music, and you know what I mean. Like it's just a it's a weird mix to try and think of it in that way. But that's what it would have seemed like to the audience. So yeah. that's possibly part of the rejection too. Is like right. kind of a snobbishness, city mm-hmm. city country snobbishness. I don't know for sure. I'm just speculating. Yeah, but when he came to Salvador, you know, certainly he. He became exposed to the bossa nova, which of course was so important to all all these guys. Like Jao Gilberto was their was their god, mm-hmm. and that was kind of like the link between Veloso, Gil, Costa, Zay. All of them were loved the bossa nova, and all of them took that music and, and made it into it made it into this you know the new music. And so he joined a band called Os Desifinados, which is stands for the Out of Tunes, which is a great name by the way. And he played accordion and vibraphone in that band. And like I say, he discovered the music of Jao Gilberto and became like a boss. And so once he discovered the bossa nova, he learned to play the guitar. And then pretty soon the guitar became his major, his main instrument. While he was in Salvador, uh, he earned a living while he was going to university by uh, by writing commercial jingles 
and att- and so he was attending university taking business courses. Okay. But then also at at night he'd be writing commercial jingles for radio and stuff right. like that. And then he what a sellout. What <laughs> a sellout. <laughs> but, excuse me. But also writing songs for the the student communist party at the yeah. university he was attending. What is it called? The Federal University of of Bahia. Okay. So it was here at university that he met Caetano Veloso. And of course, then he met Veluza's sister, Maria Batania, and then through a friend, uh, through some friends, some uh, girlfriends, they met Gal Costa. He did um, the shows, the reviews, and stuff like that. But also, but when he was in, he's probably the first, he was actually the first Tropicalista to be recorded, though, because in 1962, he recorded a single, and then an EP, and then an EP in 1963. And so I'm going to play, the A side was Vem Colombina. But on the B-side was his own song, Decision. So let's give a listen to Decision. And this is uh, for 1962. And you can kind of hear like a bit of a different sound. I really like these sort of nascent uh, sounds of these artists. I think it's very fun. So let's give a listen to Gerberto uh, Jules. Here we go. Eu não quero mais chorar Por causa de um amor qualquer Minha dor tem que acabar No carnaval, se Deus quiser Faz um ano deste amor Esperei até cansar Carnaval me trouxe a dor Carnaval tem que levar Eu não quero mais chorar Por causa de um amor qualquer Minha dor tem que acabar No carnaval se Deus quiser Faz um ano deste amor Esperei até cansar Carnaval me trouxe a dor Carnaval tem que levar No carnaval, se Deus quiser. 
All right, that was De Saison by Gilberto Gilomeri. I, I just want to point out to you, there was one instrument missing from that song. Did you notice what it was that you couldn't hear in that song? No. Guitar. Oh! So this is pre-Bossa Nova for Gilberto Gil. So he's still playing in the in the kind of, uh, I guess, 1950s traditions of, of, of furo music and stuff like that, making these, these songs, right? So he did that single in the EP, and you know, I guess they weren't like super successful because he didn't carry on from there. They're obviously a local record label, JS Records. It was just a Bahian label in Salvador, so it's not. It didn't really like travel beyond that, beyond the, the the limits of that city, anyway. But as I said, we know that he, we know that he did the the reviews with Caetano Veloso and uh, Gal Costa. The the nos uh, por ejemplo or por yeah por Ejemplo, however we say it. And then the second version of it with the Tom Jay joined with Emery Bettini as well. And then they did the Bossa Nova one, the, what was, what was it called? New, New Bossa Nova, New Bossa New, Old, uh, New Bossa Old, some kind of name like that. And then, um, and so that's the success of that kind of brought them to the attention of RCA Victor. When I, you know, in the various biography I was reading about him, they, once, you know, some say he goes, to, he went to Rio in 1965, and others say he went to, to uh, Sao Paulo okay. in 1965. Now, I'm going to say, I'm going to agree with the people who say he went to Rio. Okay. Because that's where everyone else went. Right. That's where Fuluzu and Betania went because she got a job. And then Gal Costa came and joined them there. And, and then all of them recorded singles for RCA Victor in Rio, as, as did Gilberto Gil. So he did a, a single called Rhoda, which came out on RCA Victor, uh, backed with the song Posi Saung. And this came out in 1965. So all, all of them did their, fir- their, you know, others did their debut singles. This is his, you know, third release. I want to play this one because this is different sounding again. So we listened to Dissy Sound mm-hmm. and that had a particular sound to it. And let's listen to Rhoda and you'll hear the kind of advancement or changes in what, uh, in where Jbirojil was. Okay. Meu povo, preste atenção na roda que eu te fiz. Quero mostrar a quem vem aquilo que o povo diz. Posso falar, pois eu sei, eu tiro os outros por mim. Quando almoço, não janto, e quando canto é assim. Agora vou divertir, agora vou começar. Quero ver quem vai sair, quero ver quem vai ficar. Não é obrigado a me ouvir, quem não quiser me escutar. Quem tem dinheiro no mundo, quanto mais tem quer ganhar E a gente que não tem nada, fica pior do que está Seu moço tem a vergonha, acabe a descaração Deixe o dinheiro do pobre e roube outro ladrão Agora vou divertir, agora vou prosseguir Quero ver quem vai ficar, quero ver quem vai sair Não é obrigado a escutar, quem não quiser me ouvir Se morre o rico e o pobre, enterre o rico e eu Quero ver quem que separa o pó do rico do meu Se lá embaixo há igualdade, aqui em cima há de haver Quem quer ser mais do que é, um dia há de sofrer Agora vou divertir, agora vou prosseguir Quero ver quem vai ficar, quero ver quem vai sair Não é obrigado a escutar, quem não quiser me ouvir Seu moço tenha cuidado com sua exploração Se não lhe dou de presente a sua cova no chão Quero ver quem vai dizer, quero ver quem vai mentir Quero ver quem vai negar aquilo que eu disse aqui Agora vou divertir, agora vou terminar Quero ver quem vai sair, quero ver quem vai ficar Não é obrigado a me ouvir, quem não quiser me escutar 
Agora vou terminar, agora vou discorrer Quem sabe tudo e diz logo, fica sem nada a dizer Quero ver quem vai voltar, quero ver quem vai fugir Quero ver quem vai ficar, quero ver quem vai trair Por isso eu fecho essa roda, a roda que eu te fiz A roda que é do povo, onde se diz o que diz Onde se diz o que diz, mas onde se diz o que diz Onde se diz o que diz Onde se diz o que diz? Onde se diz o que diz? Mas onde se diz o que diz? Onde se diz o que diz? Onde se diz o que diz? Alright, so that was Rhoda by by uh, Gilberto Gil. Mary, what did that song have in it that was very prominent? The guitar. The guitar. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's become his main instrument, and that's what he'll play uh, predominantly for the rest of his career. And so that, once again, was not. You know, it came out, did okay. It wasn't a big hit. I don't think RCA Victor was being very serious about promoting them. I think it was sort of a, hey, these guys had a popular show. Let's uh, put out some records by them and see if, if that alone will... See will if, yeah, see if there's a bite. Yeah, see if there's a bite. Yeah. But there wasn't. But then he enjoyed some success when the singer Alice Regine, Re, Regina, with fellow singer Jair Rodriguez, had a hit with his song, Louvissant, which means praise, in 1966. And so that earned him a contract with... I'm le- I, you know, I wanted to play the song, everybody, but I have a lot of songs to play, so we're not going to play it. I'm sorry. Hmm. Uh, if you want to look it up, it's uh, Ellis Regina, Regina, sorry, and Jair Rodriguez, Luva Song, L-O-U-V-A-C, with an accent, the Sigil underneath it, Sigil underneath it, and then okay. and then press, uh, A with a little tilde on top, O. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway, if you want to look it up, it's on YouTube. You can hear it there. Well, the, the accent under the C implies that it's a s that's sound, right? right? As, sound. Like in French? Prosti sound, that's right, yeah. yeah. So procession is basically what the song's called. It's a good, it's a good song, and it's kind of it's fun to hear it with uh, different people singing it. But anyway, mm-hmm. let's move on. Why does an English use accents? They'd make pronunciation so much easier. It would, but it make writing so much harder. Just make it that and, much and harder. And typing. Just make it that much harder. Yeah, because you have to like stop and you have to do the alt, you know, thingy to to add your accents to okay, words and stuff like that. But like, and in the old days with typewriters, uh-huh. when, when movable print started, yes. you had a. It's pretty limited what you could you do. You are making a crazy leap here <laughs> that if English yeah. didn't use accents, we wouldn't build those into keyboards better. I guess that's, yeah, I guess that's true. It yeah. might be might be better, better integrated into yes, the... Yes, it would be. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I guess, I don't think German uses accents. Oh, yeah, you're, yeah, no. And yeah. I think that's a big, has a big, Latin and German didn't use accents. And yeah. so those have a big play on our language. Yeah, that's fair. You know, and because they all developed separately from each other, mm-hmm. so it probably seemed kind of kooky to them that the French did. Yeah. I, I think some of the French accents are kooky. I can understand their need to do like pronunciation things or yeah. to indicate where where where, I where vowels that, aren't yes. pronounced together. I think that the circumflex is weird. The circumflex is one that says that there was an s at one time. Yeah, which word. makes no sense. That's like a weird it doesn't one, affect yeah. pronunciation at all. So what's the point? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like. We don't need to know that it was Chasteau, not Chateau. Yeah, whatever. right? Like, that's not necessary. You, can, you guys can, like, phase that one out, I think. I think, I think we're pretty well past needing to know where that letter used it to be. It is interesting linguistically, because then you can see that you can I better understand where the word castle comes from, if you know that Yes, linguistically that it's interesting. Have, like, a, a word, but, but yeah. yeah, that would be like if in, if in America, they were like, who was it? Was it Webster who yeah. wanted to... Uh, 
Yeah, he was crazy. Wanted to streamline the English language. His if he crazy. was like, I'm gonna put a circum accidental circumflex over every uh over over every O to show that there used to be U after it. <laughs> like, okay, weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? We've talked so long about Lufa Song that we could pr- probably have played it anyway, but it doesn't matter. Its success earned Jill a uh, contract with Phillips, and so he released an album in 1967 titled after the hit song, and and, and that's uh, Rhoda came from that album. Not sorry, not Rhoda, but Rhoda appeared again on that album, I think, and some other songs as well. But it's it's kind of like Domingo with Gal Costa and and um, and Caetano Veloso, in that it's it's. You know, interesting album. It has songs written by Gilles with Catano Veloso. It has, and the poet Torcada Nato, who had enjoyed them, sort of enjoyed them, joined them in, in Tropicalia. And as well as a song by Tom Zay, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. But, uh, it's already in the rearview mirror for, for Gilles when he's recording the album, just like yeah. it was for Veloso when he was doing Domingo. Like they've already moved on. They're already thinking of Tropicalia. They're already wanting to incorporate rock music into this. Bossa Nova form, you know, they're right. like, this is cool. This is interesting. I love Bossa Nova. I love Gilberto Gil. Or sorry, I love, uh, I love, um, the other guy. You know who I'm talking about. They're his, oh, what's his name now? Now I feel ridiculous that I can't think of his name. Wait, uh, Gilberto Gil. No, not Gilberto Gil. The, the guy who's, the guy who created Bossa Nova. Oh. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta look back at my notes and see it. Is it, it there? Was. Gil, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Zhao, yeah, it was Zhao. Zhao Gilberto. That's what I was... Oh, shoot. No wonder I got Gilberto to mix up. Anyway, um... Zhao is a pretty common Brazilian name, huh? It's John. Oh. Yeah, it's uh, very common. So he released his second album in 1968, Gilberto Gil, which was, of course, a radical departure from his first solo album. So it featured featured the rock stylings of Os Mutantes, and it had, you know, uh, Roger Duprat's crazy arrangements. And so then, well... Velozu presented a Prohibido Prohibir to, of course, rousing success at the third music festival with Back and Forth Smetanches. Gilles presented a song called Question de Ordem, or Question Question of Order, at the same festival with backing from the Beat Boys, which I think is kind of funny because the year before, Velozu had the Beat Boys backing him with Osmetanches backing Gilberto Gil, and then this year they, they reversed it. Uh, Gilles' performance was less controversial than Veloso's, but I also think less purposefully provocative. But like A Pro Beer to Pro Beer, Question de Ordem was a single only, which was released in 1968. And Gilles was joined by the Beat Boys on the A side and Os Matanches on the B side for a song called A Luta Contra a Lata or A Falencia do Café, which means the struggle against tin cans or the bankruptcy of coffee. Hmm. Let's give a listen to Question Question de Ordem, which I think because I think it's kind of a fun song and kind of points to where um, the Tropicalia was heading by this point, and in, in, in for both cases, a Prohibido Prohibir and Question de Ordem. Here we go. Você vai, eu fico, você fica, eu vou. Ah, você vai, eu fico, ah, você fica, eu vou. Ah, daqui por diante, ficar decidido. Quem ficar, vigia. Quem sair, demora. 
Quem sair demora quanto for preciso Em nome do amor Ah, em nome do amor Você vai, eu fico Você fica, eu vou Que esperam nas ruas pelo mundo inteiro Em nome do amor Ih, Em nome do amor Você vai, eu fico Você fica, eu vou Você vai, eu fico Você fica, eu vou
All right, uh, everybody. Mm-hmm. Where where else are you going to hear a great song like that? But on listening party, that's that was a lot of fun. In fact, to be honest with you, I'm kicking myself for not thinking about it while I was making <laughs> this mix because <laughs> I might have might have not done all the same songs from one album basically uh, for for Gilberto Gil if I'd thought of this song. I, I do love it. I do love it dearly. Mm. It is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So in 1969, Mare, uh-huh. despite being warned by Velozu, got a phone call from him and said. He said, you better leave your house right now because the police are coming to get mm. you. They've already, they're here with me. He just did it secretly. Yeah. But Jill did try to, did try to leave, but mm-hmm. he was arrested. Mm. And like Voluza, was held without charges for three months in solitary confinement uh-huh. before being put under house arrest in Salvador. And there, like Voluza's third album, uh, Jill recorded his third album, 1969's Gilberto Gil, with just voice and acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. to which the tapes were then returned to Sao Paulo, and Roger Duprat added the right. extra instrumentation. What year was this? 69. Okay. I think I think they were probably lucky that they were... Well-known. Well-known. Oh, yeah. Because otherwise they just would have been killed. Oh, yeah. and Or tortured. For sure. Yeah. I think, well, I think partly that, but I also think partly the government at this point had not reached that level of... Of murderous, this murderous, this murderousness. No, yet. they they had. Oh, had they? Okay, yeah, okay. yeah definitely. But I know with A one five, everything changed. That was yeah. what. That's well, what created a lot of the. They, I think that there was more of it after like nineteen seventy one. Yeah, yeah. But there was there was still mm. before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know it got worse. Yeah, like here, I'm just looking at a list right now of people killed by the military di- dictatorship. This one's. 1968, 1969, oh. 1967, 1971, a little bit later, a little bit later, 1980. Oh, yeah, they're still around in 84. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, most of them are between, like, 1971, 1971 and 1975. Yeah. That's when, like, most of them have been. Uh, oh, here's another 1980. Yeah. But, yeah, 1964, there yeah. Who are being killed. Yeah. That's the other stuff, right? It's still like students and manual workers and just person. Sure, people who are agitating. Yeah. A clerk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just people who are agitating for change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making. They're, they're sticking, their nails who are, nails were sticking out of the wood yeah. too much. Yeah. A lot of students and politicians mm-hmm. and surprising mm-hmm. amount of military personnel. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. you know. That's the other problem with those sort of situations is a lot of inner, inner, uh, yeah, people who are wrangling. like, hold on, maybe we shouldn't do this. Could be that, or people are just like, "Hey, why are you, why are you war chief? Oh. I want to be war chief." Says yeah. Ajax to to Swan. Right. <laughs> so that's a reference to the warriors. <laughs> so yeah. So as we know, Gilles and Velosu were then exiled from Brazil. Uh, they spent three years living in London, England. They kind of like wound their way there. They went. They they stopped in Spain for a while, and then they made their way up to to, to London, England, and then they got there and they went. Oh my God! It is the coldest place on earth. And it's very gray. How could it be any the, colder? The sun is never here. <laughs> and people are not very friendly to yeah. people who... Well, there's the thing. Hmm. Fuluzu is a very introverted person. He's very yes. quiet, very very thoughtful, very... you know, he's a, That's why he took philosophy in yeah. university. Gilles was much more outgoing. Mm-hmm. So while well, Fuluzu spent a lot of time in the house with his, with his wife... Yeah. Uh, they sh- shared a house, actually. So they lived together in, in London. Gilles played with... Yes, mm-hmm. Pink Floyd, yep. the Incredible String Band. Yep. He discovered reggae music. <laughs> he helped organize the 1971 Glastonbury Free Festival. Cool, you know. So all this stuff is, you know. So he got into yeah. political action. Yeah, you know. Or, you know. Uh, and so, meanwhile, Velos is sitting in the house, just going, "No one, no one's friendly in this town. No, no, no one likes me. No one likes me." Uh, and he, but at the same time, he only recorded one album there, mm. 1971's. Can you guess what the album was called, Mary? 
We had uh, 1968's album Gilberto Gil. We had 1969 album Gilberto Gil. What was it called? What was the 1971 album called? Gilberto Gil? Ding, 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 ding. Spot on, Mary. What did Catano Veloso call the album he made there? Was it Catano Veloso? He did make 1971's album was called Catano Veloso. <laughs> but 1972's album, because he made two albums in England. Yes. 1972's album was called Catano Veloso. It's called Transa. Oh, yes. That is the album. I knew that. It's a long song. I know. Uh, Gil and Veloso were permitted to return to Brazil in 1972. There still was a military dictatorship. I guess I guess they desperately wanted to come back again. And yeah. they basically kind of... I don't know if they had to agree to be a little quieter yeah. or what. I don't know, but they came back, and maybe they just maybe the government just thought by this point they're harmless, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, we've got bigger fr- fish to fry <laughs> yeah. than these like musicians. Yeah, yeah. So they came back, and so she'll return full of ideas for his next album, you know. Because unlike, like I say, unlike Velozu, he'd only done one album, and a lot of songs were covers of right. songs that he really liked that he when he was there. Yeah, I can't find my way home. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. Or I just can't find the song by the song by Blind Faith. Everyone that uh, Stevie Winwood song that's so great. Mm. I think it's called "I Just Can't Find mm-hmm. My Home." Anyway, so many of the songs have been written in 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 uh, in London, mm-hmm. uh, with one song written in Spain. Well, they're singing Formosa on their way home, and then in a but in a curious parallel, Gilles and Veloz's post uh, post exile albums. Both of them uh, they both released an album in in seventy two. Veloz released two. He released Transa early in the year, and then he released his. Second album of that year, which is called Arasa Azul, uh, basically Blue Pear. Okay. And then, and then Jill released his album, Expresso Dois Dois Dois, Express Two 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 Two. Both of them start with a uh, both of them start with a song that is uh, kind of celebrates the sounds of the northeastern music of their youth. Okay. In both cases. Yeah. And so Jill's album is more of a celebration of his homeland, like the whole album as a whole, you know, and so like. So you said he plays like Foro music. So he's kind of celebrating the music that he grew up with in rural yeah. Bahia. And the album is named after the train that would take him from the rural village. Ah, this is the name of the town he was in. Ituasu. Okay. But so the train that ran from Ituasu to Salvador was called the Expresso Dois 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 Two 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 Two. And so that he named the song after that. So it's kind of like, it's kind of a celebration of, of that part of his life. Mm-hmm. Whereas Velozu's, which I have referred to as his post-traumatic stress album is more of a raw expose expose nerve of an album it's a really weird record really yeah. weird record mm. full of like disjointed cut and paste yeah. word games field recordings of of people singing mm. crazy heavy metal rock yeah light ballads it's just a just a crazy it's a crazy album and i want to play one song from it by catanvelozo okay because you're never going to hear it again everybody and so this why not you've sold it so well <laughs> it's a crazy album and so I'm going to play this song this is a song called Epico and I'm pretty sure I've never played it on, on Listening Party I, I'm kind of I'm kind of ambivalent about this I hope I haven't it's a weird interesting song because it's a street recording of Cateno Veloso singing on the on the street okay combined with a studio orchestra okay playing the James Bond th- which sounds like a James Bond theme yeah so it's a crazy song so it's Rogerio Duprat providing the instrumentation okay and Cateno Veloso singing a cappella on a street corner okay this is this is like to me sums up the entirety of Arasa Azul, which is just a crazy but great, great album. So let's uh, give it a listen.
Protestando contra a poluição Até as revistas de Walt Disney Contra a poluição So that was Epico, or no, Epico, accent on the E, Epico, 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 Epico. Yeah, that's the way to say it. Man, I gotta gotta get used to that. Uh, English is different. See, we don't have we have the accent on the I in Epico, right? That's what the dot means, right, Mary? It's an accent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so so instead of what Veloza was doing. Jill envisioned his album as a union between the northeastern or Bahia music of his youth. So I said the names before, Luis Gonzaga, Jackson de Pandera, and others, but also the music of like Led Zeppelin, Pink mm-hmm. Floyd, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, Traffic, all the yeah. things he loved and, and, you know, and, and 
her living in England, he wanted to combine all that into this record. So he put together a band with guitarist Lenny, Lenny Gordine, always playing on the records anyway, Antonio Froese on piano, organ, and Celeste. The drummer, whose name is great, is Tutti Moreno. And then an American bassist named Bruce Henry, which hmm. I think is kind of curious. So what, yeah. what Bruce Henry thought of this must have been living down in Brazil and yeah. kind of got dragged into this <laughs> album. And they recorded this at El Dorado Studios in Sao Paulo, which we mentioned a little while ago because that's where Os Matanches recorded and where they recorded this, on the 16-track deck that got put in there. They recorded a whole album to celebrate its, its uh, 16-track deck being put into El Dorado. So Gilles begins Expresso Dois 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 with a song called Pipoco Moreno. Okay. Uh, which is like a, it's played by a group called uh, the Banded of Fifanos da Caruaru, Caruaru. Okay. And just so you know, Fifanos is a name for fife players. Okay. So it's just fifes playing this song. Yeah. And it's a really great song. And it's like, when I first heard it, I was like, oh man, this song would be great to be used in like a movie about a, about a bank heist in, yeah. in like takes place in like Rio de Janeiro or Sao Paulo or whatever. And like the robbers are like trying to escape down the street mm-hmm. and like they're dodging the crowds and stuff like that. And this song is playing. Yeah. It'd be so perfect. So perfect. <laughs> so great. Does that sound like I want to play it, Mary? It does sound like I want to play it, but I did not include it in this mix hmm. of extra songs because yeah. there are so many songs. Yeah. So anyway, just believe me when I tell you that it'd be perfect. And if you listen to the record, Expresso Dois 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 Dois, yeah, you'll hear, you'll hear that I'm right. Okay. And you go, oh, Dave's so right. I'll believe you. But he also highlights the foro music of, of Bahia. So like I was explaining what foro was, so Soyo Saida uh, Sereno, we heard last time with, with him with Gal Costa, mm-hmm. that is a foro rock hybrid. It's a traditional song that he like added, you know, and then, Rock elements too. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. Canto de Ema as well is a traditional Foro song okay. that he has added like rock, kind of jazz rock fusion mm-hmm. <laughs> arrangements to it as well. But what's interesting with this song is that Bruce Henry had trouble with the peculiar Latin rhythms of the song, and so Lanny Gordine played both the guitar and the bass for the song because Bruce Henry just could not get the rhythms mm-hmm. correct because they're they are kind of weird rhythms when you listen yeah. to it. So there we go, everyone. That is Gilberto Gil. I took you through his entire career. You are welcome. Thanks. We'll have one more song by him coming up, and we'll talk a little bit about that song okay. when we get there. Our next artist. Oh, we have another artist coming up, and we have another biography. Yep. <laughs> this is Georges Ben uh, with Ponta de Lanza Africano. This came out in 1976, so this is a real stretch. But I could not do a mixtape of my you favorite. Can't, you can't not include Jorge Ben. Come on. I can't include. Well, Georges Ben was a was a was a uh, tropicalista. Yep. He did, was part of the movement. But this song is well after Trop- uh, Tropicale yeah. was, was over but this, with. This is from Africa, Brazil? This is from Africa, Brazil. It's such a good album. It's such a great album. And he's so great. And this and song is great. How so could you not include him? Yeah, I had Come to put on. this song on. So so here we go. This is uh, Ponta de Lance Africano. I just have a subtitle, right? Uru, uru, I can't remember what it was, and I didn't write it down. Anyway, here we go. Ponta de Lance Africano.
checking out the uh it's um baba roma rama roma yeah that's the <laughs> that's the subtitle so it's just a just a um what do you call that a on about a pia basically but yeah, uh I guess so but uh what do you think of the song man oh you already said you love it so no <laughs> you didn't say that i didn't say that i said i love jorge ben okay jorge ben jorge ben yeah. jorge ben jorge ben yeah um i didn't say i love the song oh you don't love the song no i didn't say that okay. i love this song okay. <laughs> i love the song so much i'm I, i'm actually kind of sad that you say that it maybe isn't a tropicalia song because yeah. it's probably my favorite tropicalia song <laughs> so what does that say about my love of tropicalia well it says that you love his you well here's the thing uh-huh let's talk about him okay and i'll tell you why you're right all right okay because jorge ben is different Georgie Ben is a little different, but a, yes, that's right. Yeah. So, and you for, might you might have figured that out because his album is called Africa Brazil. <laughs> well, Gilberto Gil is black as well. Yes. And so he he could he could draw from black sources right. as well without because Caetano Veloso and, and and Gal Costa are more like your native. Uh, they're kind of like a mix. They're like they're race. like the they're the 
sort of typical idea of mestizaje yeah, in that's right. Latin America, where they're yeah. like a European and indigenous um, mestizo yeah, that's person. Right. Yeah. That's right. Whereas the yeah black and native and white mix is a little less common. It is still there, mm-hmm. right? Especially in places that had large slave populations, yeah. which Brazil is one of. Sure. Um, but it is like a less sort of represented group. Less common. And, and also less um, respected. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then you have people like Rita Lee who are like pure purely white. Yes. Who came there who were families like her family came down, they were southerners who moved there after the Civil War. Oh, okay. So I guess they they were disgusted by what happened. Oh Lee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they moved down to the south. Yeah. And uh, down to Brazil. Yeah. Maybe they moved there because they were still slavery? slavery? I don't wanna I don't wanna paint families with 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 broad strokes, but you know, you never know. Sometimes you got to make those assumptions. <laughs> People are like, I'm mad that slavery doesn't exist here, so I'm going to move to a place where there's still slavery. I think you can make some some assumptions. I think you can draw some lines there, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And my, I took a, when I was at SFU, I took one, I took a course about um, racial politics in Latin, in Latin America. Okay. And we talked a lot about mestizo and mestizaje yeah. and um, how different the idea of being like mixed is in Latin America, sure. where um, there is like a hierarchy of race everywhere. And in North America, people who are mixed race tend to be ranked lower than people who are like fully of a race, no matter what race. Oh, really? But in Latin America, mes- mestizo people are ranked much higher than people who are fully indigenous or fully black. Huh. Just huh. in terms of like the class hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like existed everywhere. In Carib- Caribbean, the same thing. You know, yeah. you had or Caribbean. You had the same thing. You had, mm-hmm. you know, white. Yeah. And then you had your 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 you know the, the sort of whatever. Yeah. And that's why you had those weird things like octoroon and and mm-hmm. and. Yeah, yeah, right. Things. Where like in in um in Latin America, there's an idea of mestizo, where that is like such a large percentage of the of the population. Like most, the majority of of the population is mestizo. Yeah. And so because that's such a large amount, they don't it doesn't matter what percentage you are. Yeah. Right? Whereas in nor like in like white North America, right? Like US and Canada, you ha- you do get down into those like how much yeah. blood of like how much blood do you have? Yeah. Yeah. And your worth is based so and much can on you that, pass? Right? Can you yeah. pass? And even like in Canada, there's there's been a lot of issues with um indigenous mixed race people where you have to be a certain amount of indigenous to be considered indigenous, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. like for indigenous women, for a long time, if you married a non-status man, you would lose your status, right? Like they were people were being punished for sort of going outside of those those racial mm-hmm. boundaries into relationships. So, yeah, yeah. That's why the act should have been ended in 1969 when John Cretan wanted to. Yes, and uh, actually. <laughs> Uh, the Google Doodle the other day was for Mary Two Acts Early, who was an indigenous um, activist okay. who lost her status when she married a white man okay. and had friends who lost their status when they married a non-status men as well. Huh, cool. And she did a lot of activism and fighting to get that right back for her and for other indigenous women who married non-status men. Yeah. Because the other thing about st- the way that status works in Canada is it's bonkers. <laughs> And it's like once you have like a certain percentage of white, you don't count as status, even mm-hmm. if you are still an indigenous person. Like the idea of being a status Indian versus yeah. a non-status Indian is like it's just a piece of paper. Like it's not about your your heritage in terms of the way that indigenous people think about it. Yeah. 
Um, so it's complicated. It's very complicated. <laughs> yeah. It's very complicated and stupid. No, the reason I was going to say George Ben is different is because he was not from Bahia. He was not a rural. He did not grow up in like a rural okay. Bahia. He grew up in Sao Paulo. Okay, he's an so urban. He, he was an urban yeah. uh, musician. So he was born Jorge Duilo Lima Menezes, and but he took his surname from his mother. Hmm. His mother had one of her middle names was Ben, so he took that as his last name as a performer. Now he calls himself Jorge Benjor. I don't know why, but Benjor. I don't know if he came like one of those. Numeral numerological people had to like change their name slightly to make it more more acceptable numerologically. Interesting. So he began performing when he was uh, thirteen. He was given uh, a we talked about it before a pandero tambourine, and he played that. And then two years later, he was singing in a church choir. And then he was given a guitar by his mother when he turned eighteen, and he began performing at parties and at nightclubs. And it was while performing. His own song, a song called Mice Nada at a club, Ben was spotted by a Philips record executive, and he was quickly signed to the label, and a week later, his first single was released. And I'm going to play for you Mice Nada. You know this you know this song, Mary. Okay. But you know it in the version that I knew it growing up, which is uh, as performed by Sergio Mendes in Brazil 66, the song Mice Nada. But we're going to listen to Jorge Ben's version for 1963. This is Mice Nada. Salvador com linda, com lindo, com 
Interesting to hear his voice there. It sounds so young. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like totally. a baby singing. Uh, what do you think? Of, what, uh, do you know that song, Mary? Do you remember? Do you know Mike Kanata? Yep, I know that. Yeah, one. yeah. So that was, song was a big success for him. Good, like a really big success. The unfortunate part, though, was that Phillips then took that success and decided to force Ben to produce a whole bunch of like copycat songs. Like he produced oh, his first album, which was that. called Sama Esquema Novo. Yeah, and so they wanted him to. This basically reproduced the songs from that album over and over again, and then yeah. also do a lot of cover versions as filler. Yeah, and they were able to over the next eighteen months get two more albums out of him. So they so he did three just albums, making the same song over and over again. Three albums in a year and a half, and he was burnt out and disillusioned, and so he quit the I label. Hate record labels. He quit the label in '65. <laughs> That's happened so often. Yeah, we're like they're like, oh, you had a hit with this song make it again just do the same thing over again and you'll get another hit like that's not how hits work you don't just make the same song again like people aren't gonna notice people aren't gonna listen to it and be like this is just the same as your other song yeah yeah Uh, this is a really great song like uh you really got me and you can keep doing it Mm. variations of it over and over again although to be fair actually there's a there's a couple of youtubers yeah who have been making music Mm. but i i'm saying that generously because they have repeated the, the work or they've released the same song three times in like five years, and just a little different every time. Yeah, just like it's a little different, different music video, but the same song. So, so yeah, so he left Phillips in disgust, and so over the next four years, he was not he was labelless. He just was performing independently. Yeah, and he released one album during that time uh, on a tiny label in Sao Paulo called Artistas Unidos, Un Bidu, Un Bidu, eh, or Silencio No Brooklyn. Now, believe it or not, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. spelled B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N, mm-hmm. is a neighborhood in Sao Paulo. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting. So Dutch people in in, in Brazil, that's all I can think of, because yeah. that's where the name arate, yeah. arises from. In uh, So yeah, so there, there, I didn't know that. I didn't know there was a Brooklyn yeah, or I mean, Brooklyn in uh, Sao Paulo. Hmm. So the album is named after his car. I mean, those the Dutch really got around. They did. We don't think about it. No, they were like one of some of the first explorers. They were the first explorers. They were the first people to sail around yeah, the yeah. Cape of Good Hope in Africa. Sure. Like they created the caravel. No, that was the Portuguese who created the caravel. Oh, yeah. no, I'm thinking the Portuguese. Yeah, the per- but No, the Dutch. Sorry, the Dutch traveled a lot, though. They did too. Australia yeah. and New Zealand were originally. Yeah, were originally seen by the Dutch, which is why we call it Tasmania. And why it's like, New Zealand, because New, New, New yeah, Zealand, or yes. Zealand was the name of their name for Holland. Yeah, but they so. just kind of like yeah. sailed past and looked at it and said, uh, New Zealand. <laughs> and also they knew how to they knew how to um grow because what they would do is when they were forced out of places they would salt the crops they yeah. would salt the, the, the land so that it couldn't be used for for, for uh mm-hmm. growing because only they knew how to get salt they knew how to desaltify the right, right. the soil <laughs> meanies yeah. yeah totally but yeah because they i mean the dutch east india company mm. was like the first like big global corporation yeah 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 that's that's what that was their first thing. I recently did a um a video visit and a history talk about Portugal, mm. and then I did one about the Netherlands a little bit before that. So I'm getting them mixed up. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> the yeah yeah, it's an interesting history. It's one we don't think of with with uh, with uh, the Netherlands. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, in my in my history class, um, my prof 
or I've had a couple of history classes that do this where the prof says, like, okay, who are the big five, like, European colonial um, countries? And people are like, England. Of course. Obviously, France. We yeah. know that. We're yeah. Canadian. We got Quebec. Spain. Spain, uh, because Mexico. And then people were like, oh, Brazil, because of Portugal. Yeah. And then they're like... Um, and Goa. Uh, the, there's another one that's there too, probably Germany. Yeah. Pe- Germ- people all say Germany. Yeah, Germany wasn't even a country. Come on, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Germany wasn't even a country like yeah. until basically the 1900s. Yeah, same with Italy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, same with Italy. Um, like no, it's the Netherlands. They never guess it because they didn't really uh, have much surviving or much like culture that remained in North America. Yeah, and yeah, and it's just and they know they branded themselves. Differently, yeah. As a country, yeah. Hey guys, we have, we have hash doors. Woo! Mm. I was like, they're too cool to have been a colonial empire. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Yeah. They were the first slave traders. They, they were sure the f- were. <laughs> yeah. They weren't. I mean, that weren't Arab. Yeah. Arabs were really the first. Well, yeah. First I mean, we talked. We talked a- recently um, on this podcast about. I mentioned Sojourner Truth. Yeah. Who did the a speech called "Anti a Woman," which was about how there was a lack of space for like women of color, specifically black women in like early um, like suffrage movements in or suffragette movements in the United States. But her, she was like a originally a slave owned by Dutch people. Okay. And so her speech was originally given in Dutch Mm. and was translated to be in like a sort of like Southern, um, like lexicon that has like a very like black really like, yeah that, that's ain't i a woman was not what she originally yeah, said because yeah, yeah, she yeah. said it in dutch yeah. right and she would have been speaking in like a sort of like a high dutch that she would have learned from her like upper class yeah, dutch yeah. am i not a woman yeah because she was a house slave until she bought her free freedom mm. and bought the freedom of her and her children wow um but yeah it's kind of one of those things where you're like <laughs> interesting <laughs> that this speech about how black women are like overlooked yeah. in terms of uh of like civil rights groups and yeah. stuff like yeah. in terms of like activism you're translating her to sound like a very like stereotypical black southern woman like when she was not like she's brer rabbit yeah yeah right and it's like that's it's not like a bad thing mm. but it's just interesting that that's like the stereotype that she was assigned to yeah, yeah. when she was born in new york born and raised in new york yeah um Interesting. yeah huh. so anyway enough enough netherlands bashing uh <laughs> so i was gonna say so the album unbidu unbidu was a was a nickname for his car okay given to him by a, by a fellow musician and then uh silencio no brooklyn was a cry that his neighbor would shout when he would finish his rehearsals with the, with the band he played with, who were called the Fevers, which is a great name for a band, the Fevers. Yeah. And so when they when they finished like these loud, noisy rehearsals, this yeah. person would yell out, "Silencio, no Brooklyn!" <laughs> just like finally, like I guess, just saying like finally some quiet. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but interestingly, Catano Veloso has said that Unbidu was an influence on the development of Tropicalia. Like it was a major part of of him uh, when he started to like think in his mind like how he wanted to like incorporate uh, rock music into into traditional sounds because george ben was already doing that with when he was playing with the fevers in 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 this uh, in this time period during his time as an outcast but i'm gonna play a song from this album it's called simanda uh from 1967 a song is so great I, you know what's funny is i was listening to the record again while i was when i was doing my notes just to see what i wanted to play and i 
chose the first song and I'm like, oh, the song's good. This song will play the song. Then another song played. And I was like, oh no, we'll use this song. So then I put put that song. And then I was like, then Samantha came out. I'm like, oh no, we'll use Samantha. <laughs> but any one of those songs, this is a really good album actually. It's re- it's really good considering like that it sold nothing. Yeah. It was out on a tiny label. Yeah. And he was kind of in the in you know he was sort of cast out of of the professional music industry at this point because the way he left Phillips. You know, he's just, he still had like a job. He's still playing in nightclubs and everything. But, yeah. you know, he just could not get a record deal with anyone else because they're all kind of, know this guy's poison. But okay, let's listen to Simanda. <laughs> This is great. I just love the kind of Buddy Holly riff that they got going on in the background there with the Fevers and Georgie uh, Ben. I think Georgie Ben, Mary, I'm going to be, I mean, I love all these guys. Yep. Probably Os Matanche is the most, but I have to say that Georgie Ben is probably the most accessible of, of the ones that we're playing today. Yeah, probably. Now, Ben, who in the early 60s, there was some conflict between the Bossa Nova purists and the, and the kind of Jovian Garda, jo- Jovian Garda people. Mm-hmm. 
And so Ben sided with the Jovem Garda people. Like he, you know, he was appearing both on a Bossa Nova show and on Jovem Garda. And when, when it became controversial, he sided with the rockists. He went with the rock and rollers. And the same thing happened with Tropicalia. So, you know, when, when it came time in the late 60s, you know, to kind of choose where you were, he put himself squarely in the tropic, uh, Tropicalista camp. So he, he sang with Os Matanches on their first album, their debut album. He, mm-hmm. he had a song on it, O Minha Menina. And he sang with them on that. And then he was a regular guest on the TV show Divino Maravilloso, which was hosted by, by Gilles Volozu and, and Costa. And so he was a regular guest on that. So in 1969, Phillips was now under new leadership. So the, the executives who had forced him to make three albums in a short amount of time and duplicate his work, he, uh, they were gone. And so uh, Ben was signed again to Phillips. But what's curious is he was signed with the understanding that Gilles and Velozu would promote him for the label. So, oh, okay. so then that's why, you know, so that's part of why he was on the show. Cause, you know, but they're also huge fans of his. So they were really happy to be able to give him this opportunity to, mm-hmm. to record again and, and be like heard by everyone rather than on a small label. And yeah. so, and so it was kind of inevitable that he would produce his own sort of Tropicalia flavored albums. Mm-hmm. The first one is called Georges Ben that came out in 1969. And the second one is, uh, 1970s Forza Bruta or Brute Force. Right. Which you can really hear like Tropicalia, a little bit of political element there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first album, and I have to say, Ben was never really very political. Most of his songs are very personal in nature, maybe some social commentary. Mm-hmm. But at this point, he started to incorporate more political elements, particularly mm-hmm. like representation. Yep. You know, because as a black man, he want, you know he's interested in that. And also women yeah. as well. So he started singing more about women mm-hmm. and women's representation mm-hmm. and stuff as well. And I'm going to play one song, though, from this, from George Ben, called Take It Easy, Brother Charles. This is from 1969. This is sort of sort of a song to his fellow black man, okay. using kind of uh, an American idiom yes. to to uh, to to convey this. So so let's give a listen. This is from 1969, from his first first album in four years, first like you know kind of signed to a professional label album, uh, George Ben. So here we go, everyone. <laughs> Take it easy, my brother Charlie. Take it easy, meu irmão de cor. Take it easy, my brother Charlie. Take it easy, meu irmão de cor. Pois a rosa é uma flor, a rosa é uma flor, a rosa é um nome de mulher. Rosa é a flor da simpatia, flor escolhida no dia do primeiro encontro do nosso dia com a vida querida, com a vida mais garrida. Take it easy, Charlie. Take it easy, my brother Charlie. Take it easy, meu irmão de cor. Take it easy, my brother Charlie. Take it easy, meu irmão de cor. Depois que o primeiro homem maravilhosamente pisou na lua, eu me senti com direitos, com princípios e dignidade de me libertar. Por isso, sem preconceito, eu canto, eu canto a fantasia, eu canto o amor, eu canto a alegria, eu canto a fé, eu canto a paz, eu canto a sugestão, eu canto na madrugada. Pois eu canto até a minha amada Esperada, desejada, adorada Tem que dizer mais fora Tem que dizer meu irmão de cor Tem que dizer mais fora Tem que dizer meu irmão de cor Tem que dizer mais fora Tem que dizer meu irmão de cor 
céu é azul Olha como é verde o mar Olha que sol bonito já Ele queria mais forte Queria mais frio Tenha calma, meu amigo So that was Take It Easy, Brother Charles by Georgie Ben from 1969. And Mary, you can really hear the Tropicalia influences there with that yes. heavily orchestrated, really horn-heavy, big, big sound. Yeah, which, totally. Which uh, Gilberto Gil was kind of kind of had. And I think it's okay. I prefer it when it's weird than when it's just sort of normal sounding like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I feel the same about Gilberto Gil. Like a lot of times, it's very kind of standard mm-hmm. orchestrations, and I'm not that not that interested in. It. I prefer it when it's weird. That's why you like Osmontanches. I think that's why I love Osmontanches. So that's why I like Catano Filosu because he mm-hmm. kind of sought the diff. He kind of sought out more yeah. avant-garde sounds. Yeah. And like I said before, the difference between Jorge Ben and the, his fellow tropicalistas. Mm-hmm. And this was Osmotanches as well. Yeah. Shoji Ben Osmotanches were rural, were urban people. Yes. They weren't rural people yeah. like, like the other ones. And so they were drawing from a different tradition. Mm-hmm. Where Shoji Ben started to draw from really heavily was samba, which is what he was playing when he was young, before he kind of got into like the no, bossa nova when that became very popular. Yeah. And he kind of started to draw back into that tradition. And so for his next album, mm-hmm. For Sabruta, it's a much more... It's a much more reduced in like scope album. Like there's way less orchestration right. and stuff like that. And we're gonna play a song from that later, so I'll talk about that when we get there. But but that kind of continues on. So in 1971, he did an album called Negro e Lindo, Black is Beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of continuing in this sort of tradition of exploring exploring uh, his uh, racial politics, his racial politics. But you know, in a you know, and all that kind of stuff. But also 1972's Ben, which we listened to the song from that Fio Meraviglia. Which was a song about a, a football player, a striker named Fio Meraviglia, who played for Flamengo, who is a Rio de Janeiro team, who is okay. one of the team beloved by Jorge Ben. Oh, actually, mm-hmm. did you did you look at the Wikipedia page for this song that we listened to on the like on the actual mix? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll get there. Okay, okay, yeah, I'll get there. All right, like I was gonna say something about that, but I will wait until we get there. Sure, sure. So this is where I'm gonna say that you were right, though, Mary, mm-hmm. about saying that he like. 1976 still has like a Tropicalia element to mm, it. Mm-hmm. And that is that what he learned from Tropicalia was to take take music that he loved from his youth, samba, yep. and to incorporate it into a rock context. Yes. You know, and that was what Tropicalia gave to him. So he didn't he didn't really keep all the trappings, all the like kind of crazy you know, over orchestration stuff like that. It wasn't really interesting to him. He liked more yeah. of a stripped down sound right. to his music. And so he left that behind. But he carried on the Tropicalia tradition of of like incorporating of synthesis, in, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and so and so we we see that in like on Ben with Fio Meraviglia. So he's starting to do this almost more like samba rock sound, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But there's also a song there called Taj Mahal, and what's significant about this song is that its melody was poached by Rod Stewart for a song called "Do You Think I'm Sexy" in 1978, hmm. and uh, Georges Ben filed a case of copyright infringement against. Against Rod Stewart, who yeah. then uh, settled out of court and then donated all the proceeds from the song to UNICEF. Hmm. So I guess sort of a happy ending yeah. anyway. I mean, it probably was accidental. He might have just heard it somewhere in a club right. or whatever and just sort yeah. of incorporated it into his brain. I'm not a super big fan of people suing each other over a song. 
poaching because I think that's the essence of music is mm-hmm. song poaching. Mm-hmm. I would I think I would have to listen to the I don't want to. But I think I'd have to listen <laughs> to the Rod Stewart song to like see how similar it was. Sure, sure. So I think that I think that there are times when you're like yeah that's like a very similar song yeah yeah. you know versus like yeah like okay like there's a similar like chord progression in this part or whatever yeah yeah Yeah. now ponte de lanza africano Mm -hmm. or um babaruma rauma Mm -hmm. uh comes from much later in ben's career as i was saying so it's from 1976 from the album africa brazil which is both it's an album kind of interesting because it's both an album of advancement Mm mm-hmm he, this is the first album where he plays electric guitar. Okay. So he leaves behind the acoustic guitar for a while, and he starts playing electric guitar. Okay. But also kind of retrenchment. Okay. In that he covers three older songs on the album, including Taj Mahal. So if you know mm-hmm. Taj Mahal, you'll know it from listening to Africa yes. Brazil. Which, weirdly to me, he had re-recorded the year before mm-hmm. on the album Gilles and Georges, which was a kind of a a collaboration album he did with, with uh, Gilbert de Gilles. And they covered right. it on that album. So yeah. I don't know why he just... Maybe... This seems like a... I wonder if that's like a cultural thing. You know what? He was asking for it to get covered. Or asking for it to get stolen by Rod Stewart. Just kept playing it over and over again on different albums. I wonder if it's like a cultural thing where like for us, you're like, okay, you make a song, you make it once, you put it on an album. Yeah. But maybe there you're like, okay, you made the song. Yeah. But now you're like, I have some changes I would like to make. (laughs) I think I have like a cool idea for this. So I'm going to like do it again, but maybe do this differently or whatever, right? Yeah. I've never done it with Gilberto Gil before. That'll be fun. Yeah. Or I've never done it with... With an electric, electric guitar, guitar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 like uh, like Sofiane Stevens on on the Avalanche when he put on like four different versions of Chicago because <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was like, I like this version of Chicago too. Here's another <laughs> cool version of it I did. And for me, I'm like, I like the original version. It's good. You didn't yeah. need to do this acoustic one or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you know, whatever. But those are probably versions to get to that final version that you like. Yeah. So much. Oh, totally. Yeah. All right. So that's enough about Georges Ben for now. We'll come back to Georges Ben. Okay. But I like Georges Ben. Oh wait, I wanted to say something about yeah, you once did. we got to the song. Yeah. So on um on Wikipedia yes. about that song, it said so I had to look at my phone so it would open. It said that it is uh, a well-known football-related track. Yes, it's very so it said popular. it has been described as possibly one of the best songs about sports ever written. It's about an African soccer player, but it doesn't. I don't think it names that player in the song. Which is kind of strange. Whereas Fio Miraviglia is also a, a soccer song. Mm-hmm. Also a football song. But uh, yeah. But yeah. So um, I looked up that UFE course and it actually didn't name Tropicalia. Uh, but it was called um, Song and Soccer in Latin America. <laughs> well, then you still would have been, still would have loved it because they would have played this song. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then so, you could probably could have introduced Fio Miraviglia and, Fio Miraviglia and say, I bet you never heard this song though. <laughs> um. And yeah, and that's why I talked about the props. I said, Oh, are you going to talk about Tropicali? And he was like, Oh, definitely. But yeah, because it, it talks about how music and football are two things that have influenced Paul or have like, um, are very political mm. in Latin America. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Not always for the best, by the way. No, but you know, <laughs> just, I mean, you know, history, you're rarely looking at the good stuff. All right. You ready for the next song? Yes. This is the next song for the mixtape, everyone. <laughs> we have to win. This is, uh, we're going to speed our, up. This is our fourth song. We're going to speed up. We've been though. recording for uh, two hours. We're going to, oh my gosh. Song. We're going to speed up, though. We're going to speed up. Okay. So, everyone, it's, if we're this far into the, the show, I, I advise you to get off your bike. Listen to the show tomorrow when you go back on your bike. This, no more, <laughs> no more, no more of that. So, this is Tom J. Okay. This is, the song is Todos Os Olios. Did we talk about Tom J in the last album? We or did in the last not. Mix? We did not. This is be our third biography. Okay. <laughs> Not saying um, anything uh, from the from the album. Uh huh. Todos os olhos, or how we say it. Uh, all the eyes. That's what it means. Nineteen seventy three. 
So let's give a listen, everyone. Here we go. song was very emotive okay okay yes it's tom jay yeah <laughs> let's talk a little bit about him okay so tom jay was born antonio jose santana martins i think you can you know where his uh jay came from which is from his uh, shortening of jose mm. so although he was born into a wealthy family 
wealthy. Oh, but in, in case you would like to look him up, yeah, Zay J is yeah. spelled Z E. Yeah, with the accent on the E. We don't have to put that in if you. That's where the that's, that's which is weird because that's where the syllable is, but because it comes off of Jose, which has an accent on the E. Jose. On, yeah, Jose. Zay. Jose. Jose. No, it's Jose because it has an S. Jose. Jose. But it gets certain to J as Jose. a as a uh, yeah. nickname. Because because uh, Portuguese love the je sound. Yes, they do love the je sound. <laughs> so yeah, I was gonna say. So he was born to a wealthy family, wealthy because they won a lottery ticket. They had a winning lottery ticket and won a bunch of money. Wow! But his father still worked. He had a fabric store in a, in rural Bahia in a hometown of Irara. So he's the one who lived in Irara, not not. Uh, Brasil. Uh, Jay has stated it was a very small town, very rural, and Jay has said that he can remember when the town got electricity. So that's how rural it was. It did not have running water and did not have electricity when he was growing up there. It's almost like, uh, almost like, almost like uh, northern England. Am I right? <laughs> he didn't. He did, yeah. He didn't have uh, like so they didn't have radios and stuff there when he was growing up. So hmm. all the music that he learned was traditional. Was traditional. Was oral. That's yeah. how he learned. He learned. Grew up, he, grew, he said he grew up in a pre Gutenberg culture. <laughs> so as a teenager, Jay became interested in music and. Because then he could finally start listening to it. And he began to study the guitar. But his influences, of course, were popular Bahian performers. As we already said the name, Luis Gonzaga and, and Jackson de Pandera, people like that. He eventually moved to Salvador to attend the School of Music at the Federal University of Bahia. And it was here he studied with mostly with European emigres, who were like of these avant-garde composers who had come to the University of, come to University of Bahia because... At that time, they had this really forward-looking dean of studies who wanted to have the most kind of like the best school, best university in in South America. Cool. And so, but he wanted to have like the most forward, the most pioneering school as well. And right. so he brought these composers in who were all like crazy people. Yeah. You know? So they were they were music on cred. They were mm-hmm. random musician, random composers, stuff like that. You know, who came. Cool. And so that's where that was Jay's musical grounding was in that kind of music. Yeah. In 1960. He appeared on a talent show in Salvador called Escara para o Sucesso, okay. which is uh, Stairway to Success. And he performed a, sa- a song in there, a ballad called Rampa para Fracaso, which is Ramp to Failure. <laughs> That's good. Already a brat. <laughs> uh, it was at this time that Jay uh, met up with fellow Bahianos, uh, Catano Veloso, Gilberto Gil. Costa, Maria Bethania, and he joined their their musical review, Nos Pro Example Number Two, and also their Nosa Bossa Velia, Velia Bossa Nova. I can't remember the exact way those those words went together, but it's fine. The success of which brought the group to the attention of RCA Victor and Jay or Tom Jay recorded an album or a single, Sao Benedito, backed with Maria Colegia de Bahia. Unfortunately, that single has been lost to time. Ah, so unlike because unlike the rest of them. Tom Zay has been called the Trotsky of Tropicalia. <laughs> okay. Because he has been written out of the movement. The same right. way that Trotsky was written out of the history of the Marxist history of, yeah. the, of the revolution in, in the Soviet Union. Hmm. And not by other, not by his people he worked with, yeah. but by the people who've written about it, by historians right. and journalists, right. have ignored him in favor of Gilles and Veloso and Costa because they are, and even Ben was sort of written out of it in a way as yeah. well, because, because he branched into a sort of a different form find his own success yeah but you know he was a tropical he was a tropicalista and so was jay like they were like you know ben wasn't on the tropicalia album 
but that's because he wasn't signed to Phillips at that time. Yeah. But Jay was. Yeah. Not he didn't perform on it, but he had a song on it. Right. His song in Industrial Parque. Okay. Which is a song about the changeover of of Brazil from a you know primarily a rural culture, which it was up until the sixties. Yeah. It was a farming. It was a farming culture. Yeah. The country was a farming country. Yes. To be, it became an industrial country. Yeah. That it's changed over from a country that thought in terms of cycles to now a country that thought in terms of, of dollars. progress and dollars. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, one, one other thing about that list of, of uh, Brazilian people who yeah. uh, were murdered during the regime, yeah. a lot of them, their job was peasant. Sure, a farmer, basically, a farmhand. Well, farmers, there were, yeah. there were farmers, but then there were also peasants mm. whose job was peasant. So that was interesting. Nice. Distinct from farmer. Well, I think that would be like farmhands. People like they weren't people who owned, they weren't people they who owned. Yeah, they didn't own land. They, like, they, they yeah. were yeah. They would have been people who yeah. would have been. They would have been singing the furo songs in the fields and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's just interesting that that was still sort of like a classification of people at the yeah. time, or a classification of like a type of work. <laughs> was peasant. It it is interesting. Which feels very like antiquated. Yeah. So like industrial parquet is an ironic celebration of that change as well. It's not something that. Tom, the Jay, having grown up as he did, would have thought of as the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. So the narrative about Tom Jay, there is a narrative about him, like all, all, all history has a narrative. And so the narrative about Tom Jay is that he became too experimental and carried on the vanguardist tradition of Tropicalia, while Costa, Gilles, and, and Velozuk sold out for success. Right. But, you know, like all the sort of narratives, it's more complicated than that. Because Jay's first album is interesting in its instrumentation, but it's no more avant-garde than any of his fellow, fellow you know, compatriots in the tropical yeah. tropicalia movement. Was vanguard a word used in a speci- in like a in something that you read? It's just a word for like an art- artistic word. Yeah, for but people. it was also a word that was used in a lot of um, a lot of the uh, different like activist groups in Brazil at the time. Okay, that would, sure. would be like yeah. the, the vanguard, the forward-looking, so, yeah, so, so, the, the people on the front, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's on the front. He's the, yes. he was the front line of the experimental, yeah, and suffered because of that because only he carried on this experimental tradition. That's that's the narrative, right? But mm-hmm. it's but so but his album after he did his first album, which it is kind of strange, but it's it's typical of the other Tropicalia songs. It has it's it's kind of weirdly instrumented. Instru- it's instrumentation's weird. Mm-hmm. It's really has a really like heavy organ sound to it, as well as electric guitar. Okay, and then but then it has Rogerio Duprat providing all these like big horn heavy arrangements and stuff like that. So it, you know it's kind of similar in that sense. But his following albums like 1970s Tom J and 1972's Tom J are my I hate how they name albums in Brazil, but anyway <laughs> they're both like. They're interesting albums, but they're both really radio-friendly albums. They're not experimental-sounding. Like, yeah. if you listen to those albums, they are just, like, normal-sounding songs. And he did do normal-sounding songs. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to play a song in a second by him called Morena, which is from his 1978 album. And it's a fantastic song. It is a fantastic song, yeah. yeah. But it is not experimental-sounding. No. It's, it's, it is it is a... Uh, it's a Tom Zay song. Yeah. If you if you were to compare Morena to... Um, Doi. Yeah, or to like or an o- Tonches, to, okay. so like Panis Esther Sensei, yeah. then like Morena is much more accessible. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. if I was going to introduce someone to Tropicalia, I would probably start off with like Georges Ben yeah. and with like a song like Morena yeah. before moving on to Panis Esther <laughs> Sensei, right? Sure, sure. Like, Unlike me, who puts it as the first song on the. Yeah. 
Well, you know, so as you like to ease people into uh, to weird stuff so that they don't shut down. <laughs> Not me. Like, yeah, and those albums are nothing to write home about, like, in terms of experimental avant-garde yeah. sounds or whatever. Whereas... They're albums. Whereas in 72, the same year that Jay is making Tom Jay, mm-hmm. Veluzu is making Arasa Azul, yeah. which is... Bonkers. Like the weirdest, most literally the weirdest, most experimental album ever made yeah. in popular music history yeah. in Brazil. I'm not saying it's the weirdest album of all time in Brazil. Mm-hmm. I just mean in terms of popular artists, which you could consider Tom Zay a popular artist at the time he was mm-hmm. recording, Tom Jay yep. and stuff like that. Trippers or Jules. Veloso's album is crazy. Oh, sorry, Veloso's, yeah. It's just crazy. It's the craziest album, literally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the one that we listened to was him, like, singing on the street. Yeah. With like a bonkers song behind it that was recorded in the studio, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so there's like no connection between like the music and the yeah. uh, the the singing, yeah. and also he's singing on the street with oh. like people walking by. It's crazier stuff. than that. There's a ten minute long song on it called Sugarcane Fields Forever, yeah, and it's a mix of furus like literal furu songs like f- recorded in the field, yeah, by other like by by traditional singers, yes. not not Veloso, yeah, mixed with orchestrated. Strawberry Fields Forever? No, 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 no version of that. But okay. and then it's mixed with a weird like, like things where he'd be like, it'd be like, he'd just be going like, yeah, quiero, yeah, quiero, with like brass behind him, like going, yeah. you know, da 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 da, yeah, quiero, yeah, quiero, just doing that over and over again yeah. for like three minutes, huh. and then it'll go cut back into like more furo music and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and then it'll be another weird, but then it'll be ends with like this really kind of sad ballad kind of song. It's a really crazy suite of, of different yeah. so- different kind of sounds. And it's just not so. There's a heavy metal song on it. It's like the craziest, loudest guitar music ever played. Yeah. It's got a song called Gil- uh, Gil- Gil- uh, Gilberto Misterioso, okay. which is like a word game song. Yeah. It's just it's a crazy album. It's just, But it's a lot of fun, but yeah. it's just it's not an easy listen. Cause hmm. It's a very challenging album that's full of... You know, it's got music concrete, it's got spoken word, it's yeah. got, it's got, uh, it's just everything, like everything. Cool. Um, yeah, it sounds weird. But so, yeah, but compare, comparing, yeah, Veloso was, was not written out of the, the narrative for being too weird. Yeah. It was Tom, Tom Jay, who yeah. was, right? Yeah. yeah. Or who's, well, Tom Jay was just not commercially successful. Yeah. You know, like, like. He just didn't have any success mm-hmm. in during his early part of his career, so he didn't have the he didn't have the momentum to have a three year exile and put out a crazy album, you know. And like Transa mm-hmm. came out before this al- came out before Arsenal, so Transa yeah. was a pretty pretty um, standard. Yeah, it's not necessarily standard because I mean I think standard for Tropicana. I do think it's a long 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 way is a weird song. Mm-hmm. You it's know? a long road, or it's a long road. Sorry, yeah. it's a long road is a weird song, but it's it's uh, the rest of the album is pretty. It's accessible. Pretty accessible. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. But I think what's what's fun about the whole thing is that I think that, this, that, the, that the reason that we can talk about it is a testament to the success of Tropicalia, the ambiguity of trop- Tropicalia, which was rooted in, you know, it had two kind of imperatives. One mm-hmm. was formal experimentation. Two was pop viability. So it right. also had to be commercially successful because they were recording for a big record label mm-hmm. in, in Brazil. So you had to sell records, but you also wanted it to be vanguardist, to be avant-garde enough that it was yeah. challenging the accepted ideas of what music was at that time. Hmm. You know? And I think that for those who are still doing that when he's doing Arasa Azul, uh, Tom Zay to the lesser degree. But let's listen to Moreno. Marina. Marina, yep. Which means brunette, a okay. female brunette in, in Brazil. Moreno would be a male brunette. That's correct. 
And so let's give a listen to Marina uh, from Correo da Estação do Brás, which is, which is, I guess, Brás is a city okay. in Brazil, and Correo de, de Estação is a uh, post office. So post office of Brás. Okay. So here we go, everyone. This is Marina. Morena, minha morena Tira a roupa da janela Vendo a roupa Sem a dona Eu penso na dona sem ela Morena, minha morena Tira a roupa da janela Vendo a roupa sem a dona Eu penso na dona sem ela Morena, minha morena Tira a roupa da janela Vendo a roupa sem a dona Eu penso na dona sem ela Meu quarto tem sete andares Reinado da minha vista Eu tenho céu e mar Mas nada disto me conquista Meus olhos desocupados Só querem viver seguindo a tua pista Morena, minha morena Tira a roupa da janela Vendo a roupa sem a dona Eu penso na dona sem ela Morena, minha morena Tira a roupa da janela Vendo a roupa sem a dona Eu penso na dona sem ela Eu ando desarrumado No trabalho e no amor Até deixei de lado Meu futuro de doutor Com o dinheiro da escola Comprei uma lente de alcance E foi um horror Morena, minha morena Tira a roupa da janela Vendo a roupa sem a dona Eu penso na dona sem ela Morena, minha morena Tira a roupa da janela Vendo a roupa sem a dona Eu penso na dona sem ela Vendo a roupa sem a dona Eu penso na dona sem ela Vendo a roupa sem a dona Eu penso na dona sem ela Vendo a roupa sem a dona Eu penso na dona sem ela Vendo a roupa sem a dona Eu penso na So that's a, good, that's a very nice song, right? right? Yeah, it is. So it, it wasn't until Todos Os Olhas that Zay began to indulge, I shouldn't say indulge, but began to express his experimental side. Mm -hmm. But when he did, he went big. He went really big. Okay. Right? But the albums didn't sell, and so Zay eventually faded from public view because he just didn't have the momentum to put out an album like Todos Os Olhos yeah. and have people you know, react to it with interest or disinterest mm -hmm. and then be able to carry on from that in some way. Because he did this album... And then there was a three-year gap right. before he did Estudando Osamba, which mm -hmm. is even a crazier album in some ways. Because then he's using like almost he was almost using like sampler technology before the sampler existed. Oh, really? Wow. He had a little machine that he made that he could press a button and get different sounds from. Okay. And they would just play like you know, and so he could program it to play like five different sounds. Right. And so he would have like a group of choir, you know, like he had like a group of singers. Yep. He had people playing like a pipe. Okay. Like with a saw. Yeah. You know, or playing 
like two saws with a violin bow or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you would have this other thing that could, you could press buttons on and get random noise. Mm -hmm. And then also be doing a song, huh. you know, so it was very weird. And there's a very interesting documentary that came out about, very short documentary about him that was probably put out by Luaka Bop in sometime in the 90s or, or 2000s, uh, which I'm going to put a, a link to so people can watch that and they can kind of see the what Tom Jay was doing in the 70s. It's yeah. very interesting. And people's, you know, like I say, it's people's impressions of him as this sort of outsider experimentalist. It's, it's, uh, it's a very nice narrative now, but it's not really necessarily true entirely. But yeah. So for his final album, which was like, we just played Koreo, blah, blah, blah. The last album, the one that Marina came from, that album came out in 78. Okay. Then there was a, a six-year gap to his next album, which was in 84, Nave, Nave Maria, which is a fun sort of pun on Ave Maria. Hmm. And then a further eight years before his next album. And what was lucky for Tom Zay was that the rock, you know, rock musician, new wave artist, uh, former talking head David Byrne was visiting Brazil looking for samba music. And he was in this record store and he found this record called Estudando o Samba. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is an interesting looking samba record. It's got like barbed wire in the cover. Yeah. Very kind of, maybe has a political element to it that's interesting. So he put it in his bag and mm -hmm. brought it back to New York. Mm -hmm. And he was listening to it and he went, oh, this is in the samba. This is not a samba album. This is a really weird album. But he just fell in love with it because yeah. it's so crazy. Yeah. And then he started to promote Tom Jay. And this was in the 80s. This happened, the late 80s. And so right. in 1990, his label, Luaka Bop, put out an, an put out a uh, collection Best of. I ironically labeled Massive Hits, okay. The Best of Tom Zay. <laughs> and it had most of, it was basically because David Byrne was attracted to his kind of weirder stuff. Yeah. It didn't really have like his normal. It didn't have Morena. It didn't have Morena. It didn't yeah. have his, his, anything from his 70 album, from his 72 album. Yeah. It was basically from 74, Todos mm -hmm. Los Olios, and 76, Estudando Samba. Yeah. And that was basically the Massive Hits album. And so that kind of created a different version of Tom Zay. Right. Which Tom Zay then you know, wisely rode into the into the nineties. Yeah, oh totally. With I mean, hips of tradition if, and uh, if people are liking it yeah. and you like doing it, then yeah, why yeah, not? Sure, right? why not? Yeah, yeah. And yeah it's not like he was like it's not like it's not like this guy f like found his sound and was like like you're a really talented artist. I want you to just do like straight out samba music for me. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. was like, All right, I'll just do that. <laughs> like he was still doing music that he liked to do. Yeah. yeah. Um he was just doing it in the context of people liking it. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. So yeah, so in 1992, Hips of Tradition came out, and it came out on the Loaka Bop label. Okay. And it's, I think, I think Construction defected as well. Um, Defeito do Construcción, or however you pronounce it. Now, the I'm, not, I'm not judging you. The interesting thing about the cover, the record cover for Todos Os Olios, was there's kind of an urban myth around it. And that is that the cover shot is a marble stuck into the anus of a woman that was taken as a picture. And it looks like an eyeball, but it's not an mm -hmm. eyeball. And that was the rumor. Now, it's true to a point. Okay. That was decided that that would be hilarious to do. Yeah. And so the one of the photographers for the for the agency that thought this would wanted to do this as the record cover yeah. talked to a friend who was a huge Tropicalista fan, and she agreed yeah. to have this shot taken. So they, okay. well, I guess they rented a motel room. Yeah. That, you know, we got her all spread out. Yep. Inserted the marble, okay. which was hard to do. Yep. Because the human body likes to take things into it. Yes. When they're introduced. So it was all very, very complicated. Mm -hmm. And he took a few shots of it. And by the time they got the, the, the photo shoot was done, they were like so mad at each other that they weren't talking. <laughs> this is such a complicated, difficult shoot yeah. to do and get done successfully. As it turned out, it didn't work. It did not look the way it, they wanted it to look. Yeah. 
And so they did not use those shots at all. What right. the sh- actual shot is, is of a woman's mouth. It was the same woman. Yeah. They just read, he just retook it with this. Hopefully two, a different, a marble. different marble. Different marble. <laughs> other marble was thrown away. Yes. Long gone with a different marble in her mouth. Okay. And so it's just the, her lips right. with the marble in it. Okay. And then it was sort of spread around. That's what it was. Right. But the funny thing is, is when Tom Jay heard about the photo shoot. Yeah. With the, with the, with the woman with the with the marble inserted yeah. in, into her anus, he was like furious yeah. that they would even ask a woman to do this. Yeah. Like you said, it's a funny idea, but why yeah. would you ask someone to do yeah. something like that? It's crazy. So yeah. he was really mad about it. Hmm. And he, but when they said, "Oh, it's actually the mouth," he was like, yeah. oh, "Okay, yeah. that's fine. We can put that on." He refused right. to have the other version. He yeah. just wouldn't wouldn't do it at all. Well, yeah, so. it's weird that they wouldn't even like ask him yeah. before doing this, <laughs> yeah, right? I, I guess they're just excited about it and wanted to do it. Mayor. Uh-huh. We're going to go into our fifth song? We're going to go into... No, we're not. We're going to go over one more Tom Zay song. We're going to play Ma oh, from okay. Estudando Osamba. Just because I want to play one more so- uh, one more crazy song from, from him, and I just, I, just, I just like him so much. So let's, let's just listen to one more song, everybody. This is Ma.
So yeah, that's Ma from Estudambo Samba. You can see why David Byrne heard that and went, and Doi as well, why he heard yeah. those songs and went, oh, this is brilliant stuff. Oh yeah, they're great. They're this great songs. So great, so great arrangements, such great arrangements as well. Okay, let's move on to Mary to our fifth song. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you everyone, that is our last extra track. There'll be no more for the rest of the show, except maybe at the end. We'll see. But everything, this is it. We're just going to listen to the rest of the mixtape. I've done my, I've done all of the, uh, I, we have one more biography to do, but I'm not going to play any extra music from that one. Let's play Gilberto Gil. Okay. This is Gilberto Gil and the song Bat Macumba. Okay. And we know everything about Gilberto Gil. We don't need to know anymore. Nope. Although I do have a little bit to say about it. Okay. Uh, this is from Tropicalia or Panis e Circenses, which came out in 1968. The Oral Manifesto of Tropicalia. Here we go. Bat Macumba. We're back. Mayor? Yes. Thoughts on this song? I thought it was fine. Didn't think it was great? No. Do you prefer the Osmotanches for a bit more? Uh, yeah. Oh, see, I don't really like that one because it has that fuzz guitar in it. I'm not a, oh, okay. I'm kind of, for whatever reason, I've grown tired. I've been turned off by fuzz mm, guitar that's sounds. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I thought the song was, like, fine. I just didn't think it was anything, like, particularly yeah, special. I should have put know? a question, question down to Ordem on. But the problem was, I also ha- had to think in terms of time. Right. So this yeah. song was a short song. Yeah. And so it allowed me to... It is harder to, to find a short Tropicalia song. Yeah. Because I could put Canta de Amon, which is six minutes, mm-hmm. and then have a sh- this short version of a song yeah. as well. What's kind of fun about this song is it's a concrete poem 
in music. Mm. So I'm going to show you. There. Okay. So you can see the lyrics here. Oh, cool. So it starts off at the first, the, the first off it goes, Bat Mukumba AA. Bat Mukumba Oba. Now, Mukumba is a kind of uh, Brazilian voodoo, basically. It's, okay. a, it's kind of a, a rural like religion. Religious practice, yeah. Religious practice, yeah. It has kind of magical elements to it. Mm. And so the song goes, you know, so it goes, Bat Mukumba AA, Bat Mukumba Oba. And they say that for a while. But then they start to drop things from the song. So it goes, Bat Mukumba AA, Bat Mukumba O. And then it goes, Bat Mukumba, Bat Mukum. Then it goes to Batman. Probably one of the only Brazilian songs to mention Batman. <laughs> Bat and then Ba. And then goes down to AA. A, Bat Macum, Batman, Bat, and then the final shortest version is Ba, and it starts to build back up to the, to the end of the song. So I kind of, I just think that's kind of fun. It's kind of a fun little yeah. thing to do. The word games, like I say, that stuff. That's something that should, uh, that Caetano Veloso loved to do. He has a song Irena from from uh, his uh, 1969 solo album that also is like a word game song in kind of a similar way. All right, Mary. Mm-hmm. How about some Gal Costa? We haven't heard from her for a while. We had sure. two songs from her on the first side, yeah, but only one on the second. This is Divino Meraviglioso, which we've talked a bit about, the TV show anyway. But this is the song from her second solo album, Gal Costa, in 1969. No, sorry, her first solo album, Gal Costa, because there's two Gal Costa albums. Or sorry, there's two solo albums. One is Gal and one is Gal Costa. This is the first one, 1969. So this is uh, Divino Meraviglioso. Here we go. Tudo é perigoso, tudo é divino, maravilhoso. 
All right. What did you think of Divino Meraviglioso, Mary? That's fun. I liked it. Yeah, it's a yeah. very nice song, isn't it? Uh, now, this song was written for her by Catano Veloso. Oh, okay. And she sang this for the Festival do Record in 1968. And it was kind of her coming out as a tropicalista. So she'd yeah. been there the year before. Right. Just kind of sang a bossa nova song. Yeah. And everyone went, oh, she's the cutest singer yeah. in all of... In all of uh, in all of Brazil, mm-hmm. we love her so much. And then she comes out on stage. She's got mm-hmm. this afro. Yep. She's growing her hair way out. Yeah. She's wearing this short dress with this all these crazy baubles and a mirrored necklace. Okay. Yeah. And, every, and she hadn't told Caetano Veloso that she was going to do this as well, so right. he didn't even know about this. Yeah. That she was doing this this version of the song. And now the song. So he was shocked, of course. He was like, "What has happened to my gal?" <laughs> and uh, and she came out and she. She heard Janis Joplin, who she really liked, and so yep. she she kind of incorporated a little bit into her singing live. I don't think it's as audible in the song, maybe in a bit of the kind of screaming kind of effects stuff like that, where it kind of goes, wow, before she says Divino Merrill, mm-hmm. so, or before she goes into the chorus, I should say. And then, um, and so, yeah, and so, of course, the audience was shocked to see their beautiful gal, suddenly this crazy rock and roller. Yeah. Uh, but the song is about the imposition by the government of A15, which we talked about last, or AI5, which we talked mm-hmm. about last episode, which was a new which was uh, basically a new constitution that allowed the government to do whatever it wanted, including kill you. Yep. And so, so it's about that. It's about the. It's about this kind of repressive go- dictatorship they're living under, but also the amazing spirit of the times. Because even though all these people are living under this horrible repressive regime, there's this explosion of counterculture in the face of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, I mean, some of the lyrics go like, "Watch out! Everything is dangerous. Everything is divinely marvelous." Which in in kind of the the slang of the time would be the equivalent of saying everything is groovy. And then also kind of it also has these meta elements in, in as well where she says where she sings Watch Out for the Chorus. And the chorus was, You gotta be alert and strong. We don't have time to fear death. You know, so it's a song of like incredible resistance, which is amazing that it got past the censors at this time. But it did, but it would become impossible pretty soon that it to be sung. But their program was called Divino Meraviglioso. So even though they weren't allowed to sing the song, they cu- they titled it after it. So it kept that con- kept that in people's forefront of their heads. Like, yeah. you know, yes, this the show is about the celebration, but don't forget the, where we're living right now. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty great. And she's also the best singer in Brazil. Yes, no lie, everyone. Wish I could play another song by her, but I can't because I put too many songs on this side. But <laughs> well, we've heard three of her songs. We've heard three of her songs, but I wanted- did you play more of her songs last time? I probably. Let's be real. You probably did. <laughs> I don't remember if I did or not. Nah, you probably did though. I think I played. Yeah, I did. I played some of their early stuff, but I didn't get to play a song from India, which is where I, my favorite album by her probably. And I just and I wanted to play one from her, but I can't. But it's okay. I'll live. Oh, let's play another George Ben song, Mary. You like George Ben? Yes, I do. This is from his 1970 album Forza Bruta. Forza Bruta. How do you say it? The song is Forza Bruta. So let's give it a listen, everybody. Acordar 
sonho de verdade Para viver com você nas cores do amor e da amizade Quero esquecer os anos sem você A lembrança da tristeza, as cores cinza do passado sem você Meu amor, oi não, não diga mais que esse amor é como um sonho Não diga mais, pois os sonhos acabam de manhã E eu tenho que acordar Sabendo que os sonhos 
And we're back. Mary, what did you think of Force of Bruta? Ah, I thought it was fun. I yeah. liked it a lot. <laughs> you liked Shorja yeah. Ben? Yeah. I did. I, uh, yeah, and I think, I think I was like, is this Shorja Ben? And it is. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. Yes. So, yeah, it's the second Tropicalia-inspired album. But it's also like a major shift away from Tropicalia aesthetic in a way, because he recorded it with a small band, a trio he met in a nightclub called Trio Mokoto, who were like a percussion trio. Sorry, you played three extra Gal Costa songs last time. Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. Oh, so four, sorry, four extra. I don't think so. Because you played Gal Costa and Catano Veloso. Yeah. Uh, Corazao. Vagabundo. Vagabundo. Yeah. You played uh, Murray Batania and Gal Costa's Sol Negro. Mm, very good. You played Gal Costa's Sim Foi Voce. Yeah. And Gal Costa's Ob- Objeto Sim Objeto Non. Yeah, that's a pretty good song. Yeah, that song is a good example of her her flexible singing style. But anyway, not enough, is my opinion. <laughs> so yeah, so he kind of teamed up with this trio, Trio Mokoto. And and so now the session was recorded at night without any rehearsal. So this went oh, at night. Weird. And what, what George Ben did was he played the song for the band. Okay. And then they had to like figure out an accompaniment, which then they had to, do, to add to it. Yeah. And they did it in one night, all the songs on the album. It's pretty crazy. But he wanted to do that because he wanted to like convey this particular mood in the studio. Okay. And he just wanted to have this kind of freshness to the songs. And I think it works pretty well. It's a pretty pretty great album. All right. Next, Mare? Mm-hmm. Tom J? Tom J. Now, I wanted to at least get one song from his tr- True Tropicalia album on. So this okay. is from his very first album, which annoyingly is called Tom J. <laughs> don't listen. Don't believe people who give it like a different title because some people call it like Everything Must Go or something like that. Okay. But that's not what it's called. No, it's called Tom J. Tom Tom J. That's yeah. the single name on the cover. 1968. This is Cuero Sambar Meubem. Cuero Sambar Meubem. Okay. I want to dance better. Okay. All right. So here we go. This is Tom J.
quero sambar meu bem, quero sambar também. Não quero é vender flores nem saudade perfumada. Quero sambar meu bem, quero sambar também. Mas eu não quero andar na fossa cultivando tradição embalsamada. Quero sambar meu bem. Amada. Meu sangue é de gasolina Correndo não tenho mágoa Meu peito é de sal de fruta Fervendo no Cultivando tradição embalsamada Quero sambar meu bem Quero sambar também Não quero atender flores Nem saudade perfumada Quero sambar meu bem Quero sambar também Mas eu não quero... And we're back. Mary, what do you think of that? I thought it was fun. I liked it. Yeah. Good song. It is good, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. He's a weirdo. But great all the same. Yes. Great all the same. He makes he, good music. He does make good music, yeah. <laughs> Talked about before. So it's... Oh, it's not Rogério de Prat on this album, actually. I'm wrong. Or at least the song. So organ... You can hear in the song, right? Organ, guitar-heavy kind of arrangement with arrangement from another member of the Musica Nova group we were talking about earlier that Veloso used on his his first album. So yeah, it's a, kind of an odd mixture of organ, electric guitar, yay music, mm-hmm. the album itself. Not just this one song experimental music, mm-hmm. and then a traditional ballads. Hmm. And for whatever reason, he whatever reason, like he kind of went more to the traditional ballad side for his next two albums. I think maybe he just wanted to be a success, you know, wanted to be able to keep singing his songs. And also love that music. I mean, he did he did meet up with Filosu Gil and Costa because of his love of Bossa Nova. Right. You know, so that was a big part of his personality as well. And this was a... 68 was kind of a big year for him, so he did his album. And then he also performed... The song 2001 at the the TV record festival of that year, taking first place. It was a co-write with Rita Lee. Okay. And so he performed it there with with the Os Mutantes, and it's on. It's not on his own album, but it does appear on Mutantes, the the band's second album, with Tom Jay singing it with with uh, Rita Lee. So yeah, it makes that makes his disappearance from the music scene even more puzzling to me that he would get a first place in 1968, mm-hmm. have a solo album released in 1968. Admittedly, nothing happened in '69. Probably laying low because of the uh, military, the dictatorship, and everything. 1970 yeah. puts out a pretty normal album, probably once again influenced by the repressive government. Yep. '72 once again, but then this this disappeared. Wait, sorry. What year were what year were his friends um, exiled again? '69. 69. So it was probably influenced yeah, yeah. by that a lot too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But I mean, Costa put out two albums that year, and both of them are crazy. Yeah. Police albums that are. But I mean, I wonder if she was face. feeling invulnerable because Maybe. she hadn't been. Um, she hadn't been. She was so beloved. She might have had like an extra layer of protection. Yeah. That and I mean, I think also as a woman, mm-hmm. like the Brazilian government was not above killing women. Yeah. But they might have been above disciplining a very famous and very beloved woman. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I just, I just, it's a, it's a puzzle. His, his uh, career is a puzzle. Okay, well, let's listen to Marcos Valle. We played him last episode, everyone. I did not give you his background. I'm going to give you a quick background to him, though, because he's not a true tropicalia. So we don't need to spend too much time on okay. this commercial guy. But anyway, I do love his music. So this is Miu Paleto Nem Gravata from Prefising, Prefis, sorry, Previsão do Tempo from 1973. So let's give a listen to Marcos Valle. Se a vida não demora, que eu viva tudo agora De tudo eu quero um pouco, que eu seja muito louco Pra mim não tem mistério, não levo nada a sério Não visto paletó nem gravata, mas hora Pra mim nada tem hora, quem sabe estou por fora Perdi, ganhei meu dia, eu vivo é de alegria O mundo é brincadeira, e o resto é besteira Estou vivendo em terra esplendida não gosto de acordar cedo Ninguém vai me pôr medo Não gosto de acordar Eu não gosto de pensar no futuro Eu vivo Não gosto de acordar cedo Ninguém vai me pôr medo Não gosto de acordar Eu não gosto de pensar no futuro Eu vivo agora Se a vida não demora que eu viva tudo agora De tudo eu quero um pouco Que eu seja muito louco Pra mim não tem mistério Não levo nada a sério Não visto palito nem gravata Mas hora, pra mim nada tem hora Quem sabe estou por fora Perdi, ganhei meu dia Eu vivo é de alegria O mundo é brincadeira Meu resto é besteira Estou vivendo em terra esplendida Não gosto de acordar cedo Ninguém vai me pôr medo Não gosto de acordar Eu não gosto de pensar No futuro eu vivo Não gosto de acordar cedo Ninguém vai me pôr medo Não gosto de acordar Eu não gosto de pensar No futuro eu vivo agora The song. song. I yeah. thought it was really catchy. Yeah, it's fun. He's yeah. a fun. He's a fun composer. He's a lot of fun. I couldn't tell it was not a Tropicalia song. Yeah, no. He's. 
I'm sure he was influenced by it as well as oh, anyone totally. else, you know. So he's different from the Tropicalistas on this collection. And that he was not political? He wasn't political, and he was a very successful musician as a young man. Mm. So he was signed to a record label called Odeon Records. Odeon Records? In Where's the accent? Brazil. <laughs> it's no accent on it, so wow. it's frustrating. Hard to tell. So, it'd be, so it'd be, it would be on the second syllable, Odeon. In 1964, after placing songs with other successful acts. So he, you know, he's writing songs, and people were performing them, and they were having a lot of success. And so he was signed by this record label, because mm-hmm. they were like, well, this guy's really good. So he released, released two highly successful albums before moving to the United States in 1966, where he worked in an early version of Brazil 66 with Sergio Mendes. And then he returned to the States intermittently throughout his career, eventually settling back in Brazil for eight years in the, in the 1970s. So the first time he came back was because there was a threat of the draft in the United States. So he thought, well, I don't want to fight in Vietnam, so he, I'm going to go back to Brazil. But his time in America kind of changed him a little bit. And when he came back the second time, mm-hmm. he began to incorporate political consciousness into his music oh, okay. on his late 60s albums. But at the same time, he also moved into writing music for TV programs and telenovelas, okay. which is you know what telenovela is? I know what a telenovela are. is. I watched Jane the Virgin. <laughs> I know what a telenovela is better than you do, Dad. Well, I guess so. I also know what telenovelas is because I watched Dark Shadows, which is an American telenovela because they are soap operas, everyone. Yeah. But Jane the Virgin is like a... a uh, kind of a parody so, of... Yeah, it's like a spoof of yeah, a telenovela yeah. made by people who love telenovelas. And so his music began to reflect the this, this split between Valet's hippie, le- hippie leanings, like he wanted to be part of this counterculture, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he was a successful businessman with his own company. Yes. You know, so that's kind of a duality yeah. that's hard to, to yeah. rectify sometimes. So both Gara, which is where Okafa- Okufana came from that last last episode, and Prefisando Tempo are excellent examples, though, of his mix of pop, jazz, soul, bossa nova, and soundtrack work. But I really... I do like him quite a bit. Uh, I think there's some stuff by him that's boring, and other stuff by him that's, that's interesting. And the problem with things that are boring is because they're not super musically interesting, and I don't know what the lyrics are saying. So there's not. I can't, if the music doesn't carry the song, it's hard for the rest of the music to carry it. Okay, Mare, we're going to head into our final two songs now. I'm going to play it the way I recorded it, which is I want these two songs together. Okay. On the album, they are split by a little gap in time, but I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to record, put it together with the way I like a mixtape, which is no gaps between songs. Okay. I like want them to flow together as much as possible. So are we listening to these two in order then, and then we'll talk about both of them? So this is Los Mutanches, yeah. This is Sarava. Okay. Sarava. Sarava. Accent on the end. And Baby. Okay. From their 1971 album, Jardim Electrico. Jardim Electrico. Uh, this is Los Mutanches. Here we go, everyone. Is that Electric Garden? Yes, Electric okay. Garden. Here we go. Sarava, Sarava, meu canto novo lindo da paz. 
You must take a look at the new land, the swimming pool and the teeth of your friend, the dirt in my hand. You know. You must take a look at me. The reason I put those two songs together, Mary, is because they are that way on Jardin Electrico. Electrico. Mm-hmm. That's how they appear. And I just love the two of them together. I love the craziness of Serava. Yep. Then going into this sort of very mellow song, Baby. Yeah. Which, of course, was a huge hit for Gal Costa uh, about four years earlier. Hmm. Yes, yeah. That one was on Tropicalia. It was on Tropicalia. That's right? correct. That's yeah. correct. And then was... Used again on her first solo album because what the heck? Why not do it again? Yeah, do it by yourself rather than with Catanabolo. <laughs> uh, so yeah, well, no, it's sort of saying. I think oh no, maybe she is singing with him on. I can't remember. No, no, I don't think she just sings it by herself on on Tropicalia. Yeah, yeah, it is written by him though. Mm. I can't remember now though. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. 
So what do you think of Sarava slash Baby? Um, Sarava's very good. It's a great song. Yeah. Love the singing. Same with Baby. Also a great song. Yeah. I think, I think there is a kind of, uh, um, like an uncanny valley kind of thing with, uh, with Baby where it's, it sounds kind of off because she's singing in English. Yeah. She doesn't know what she's saying. She did, couldn't speak English. Really, oh, could she could, speak English? Really had traveled extensively in the United States. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Cause it sounds like listening to it, it sounds like she like doesn't it does, know where to put the inflection. It does have a bit things. of Portuguese English to it. Yes. It is yeah. being, it is second language to yeah. someone. So it does have that element, but I find that. Whereas I find it annoying, like, well, let's talk about it, because it, there's a bit of a history here, so let's okay. just talk about it a little bit. So Os Matanches were now officially a five-piece group. So they, they had added a bassist, Liminha, and a drummer, Dino Leme. So this allowed Arnoldo Baptista to move entirely to keyboards, because he would alternate between bass and keyboards up to this point. But Baby was sung by Gal Costa and Catano Veloso on... Oh, uh, thank you. On thank you, Mary. Tropicalia, Oop, Okay, yeah. So probably thought, what the heck, I'll just do it myself then. So the band, the whole band, all five of them, they went to France. They'd done it a few times, but they were they went to France uh, to perform some concerts there. And while they were there, this this producer, this guy named Carl Holmes, he invited the group to record at a studio called Des Dames Studio in in France. And so the band decided that what they were going to do was record a bunch of their songs in English to make an album that could be record that could be marketed internationally mm-hmm. instead of just to Brazil. The proposed album was going to be called Technicolor. Okay. And they were going to, you know, do like a couple... So they had some new tracks and they had a bunch of... And some older tracks that they were going to redo for the album. So they did, redid like Penny Cesar Senses for it and stuff like that. Hmm. However, either... So once again, lost in the, the midst of time. Either the band were not happy with the results. Okay. Or B, Polidor declined to pay homes for the studio time. There's two stories that come go around about it. Right. Now I'm going to favor story A. Okay. Because of two two facts. One... The band had access to the recording material, mm-hmm. so which means that, that the producer had to have been paid for the for the stuff. Right. Because he wouldn't have released the, the tracks or tapes if he had not been. Yes. And they also, the band used four of the songs on J- Jardim Electrico. Okay. Including Technicolor. Yep. Baby. Mm-hmm. And a couple of other songs, which I can't remember which ones they were. <laughs> uh, just, uh, Justiciero, which is in Spanish, so admittedly it wasn't an English one, but it was also done there. And then probably... And I have to look and look at the list, the track list again, to decide. But yeah, so so the reason, and the reason I think this is because the band took the best tracks, the back tracks that works the best, and incorporated them to Jardine Electrical, and just tossed the ones that didn't work. Because to be honest with you, Technicolor, which was later released in the two thousands on CD, and I have that CD, mm-hmm. so I was very excited. It's not that successful to me because like a song like Bread and Circuses, Panisse Circenses, mm-hmm. is so great. Yeah. As it was originally recorded on their first album, you know, it, it's got them at their snottiest. Yeah, it has them playing to this crazy arrangement by Rogério de Pratt with yep. that trumpet that just goes through it like a like a, a bee flying yep. through a, a garden, and it's it's just like it's just a perfect song to mm-hmm. me anyway. Mm-hmm. As re-recorded in France, it was them playing the song with really playing the recorder trying to imitate all of the rest of the song on recorder right. which doesn't work sorry no. it loses the spirit of the song then yeah. you know it's not it doesn't work the same maybe if you heard that the first time you might like it more than than you might like penny say sir chances but i don't think it would work the other way around mm-hmm. and so yeah without the fun the sonic collages the prince bizarre arrangements what's the point of those songs right 
And yes, the clunky English doesn't help as well. So the songs are pretty clunky in their use of English. Yeah. Now, to me, the reason that Baby works is because it is sort of a naive song. Yes. You know, yeah, so no, it, it's fair. sort of sweet the way yeah. the English works in that song. I mean, it's not song. like bad. It's just yeah. kind of like a little bit kind of throws you off kilter. <laughs> but yeah, but it, you know, it just, it, it kind of, it does incorporate Catano Veloso's lyrics. Mm-hmm. It just kind of, reco- it, it does them just a little differently. It, it, uh, it has some trouble with the idiom, et cetera, you know, as, yeah. as you would with Portuguese English. But I still think it's a great song. Yeah. And I love Sereva. I love that. I love that. Once again, what's great about those songs to me is that it's it's a prog rock song that's done in two minutes or two three minutes. It's you know it's just like get in get out. Yeah. No need for super long. You know, it's just like it's just like a short sharp shock to mm-hmm. the system, and that's what a, a lot of the songs in there are like 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 uh, toppy top 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 on there and other songs. You know, there's this album does tend a little bit towards a couple of maybe one too many parodies. Of a ballad singer who's really popular in Brazil at that time that right. that Arnaldo loved to do imitations of. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's one of those things that like doesn't age great and yeah. also is like completely inaccessible to anyone outside of that. <laughs> yeah. Like of that outside time, of yeah. that exact like country and year. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I do like the songs. They're still they're kind of they're kind of amusing, but you know, I can see why people would maybe not like them as much as I do. There we go, Mary. Um, I'm just going to play one last song, though. I'm going to play Technicolor by Os Matanjas, because I think this is the one successful original song written and recorded in English that was never another, you know, was not anything else but this song, right? Okay. So this is Technicolor from Jardine Electrico 1971. So here we go, everyone.
All right, so that was Technicolor, and that's the last, the last song I'm going to play. I know I've made the song, the show, four hours long. I apologize to everybody on Earth, but uh, that's life. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the final mixtape. I just got, a, I got, a, I think I got a little yep. overexuberant. Oh, that's okay. You know me, Mare. Yep, I know you. Some might call me obsessive. You? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> All right. Well, Mare, what did you think of that mixtape altogether? It was good. Yeah, you liked yeah. it? Was I mean, I like Tropicalia, so. Was it a good introduction to Tropicalia, do you think? I, yeah, I'd say so. Okay. I'd say so. Oops. Keep bumping our microphones yeah, today. Yeah, I'm just trying to put away my notes because the fan will blow them all over the place. Right. That's fair. All right, dear. We have one more show to go. Yes. Before this is all over with. Yeah. So yeah, get your get your comments in by. Uh, get your comments in by. Um, I don't know what we're recording in a bye week, so get them in in uh, two thirds of a bye week. Okay. Uh, all right. And if you'd like to do that, you can email us at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Yeah. You can go to sneakydragon.com and you can like comment on our sort of episode um, on there. You can. Well, don't message us on... I mean, I guess you'd message us on Facebook. But you can also contact us on Facebook at Sneaky Dragon or on Twitter at Sneaky underscore Dragon. We do prefer email or on the website for our uh, communications for our our final episode. And Dad has a lot of... Um, uh, communications or... Uh, sorry, uh, website or email. Sneaky D, Sneaky Dragon. Yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, Dad's... Dad's uh, occupied looking for something, so he's not even listening to my fantastic uh, exit. Um, but uh, yeah, we would love to hear from you guys for our, our final episode. Dad has um, a bunch of top fives he's going to do, but he's not going to be going too much into detail with those in terms of history of the bands and stuff. No, no, I'll just be playing the songs. Yeah. So, um, um, and I have one top five I'm doing, but it's a secret from you guys. <laughs> I mean, Dad's top fives are secrets too, so. What's the date today? It's the uh, it's the well, first. first. It's Dad, jeez, jeez, yeah. Louise. <laughs> okay, so this is going to come out. Should be and should have come out today. Yep. So, so the next one will be coming out on the fifteenth. Okay. Of July, or sorry, we'll be recording on the fifteenth of July. No, we'll be coming on the fifteenth of July. We'll yep. be recording before that. So, folks, if you could get get them in by the uh, by the tenth, yeah, by Saturday the tenth, July the tenth, that would be great. So, if you have any requests or any kind of uh, ideas or felicitations or salutations or congratulations, please send them along to us. Uh, we'd love to have stuff to read out on the show and to intersperse between our, between our the many, many songs we're going to be playing. <laughs> so that, that will be fun. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'll tell you right now uh-huh. that I do have a, I do have a uh, Toy Town Psych. What? M- but I was just saying that your top five, that your top five were secret. I'm just going to say that one. Oh, okay. Just as a little little teaser, little little right. things people look forward to. Okay. All right. Is that a top five or a top ten? That's a top five. Okay. I don't have any top tens. You do have one top ten. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Two top fives is a top ten. Anyway, <laughs> um, well, thanks for listening, guys. Yes, thank you for listening. And we ho- hope you enjoyed the show. Sorry it was so long, but uh, what can I say? A little bit of enthusiasm at the end is never hurts, does it? Yep. Dad likes Tropicalia. I sure do. I think it's great. Yep. Okay. Bye. Bye, everyone.